Colin Bowie, good morning to you. Morning, Adrian Barry. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, Shane. Good morning to you. Happy Christmas. Cameron, what's happening? Good morning. I feel like um, I've been invited over to Shane and Colm's house after school. Um, just because I've watched the dynamic, the, like up close and personal. And I feel like I'm at Shane and Colm's house after school and they're always giving cheek to yeah. dad. Mm. Dad on this occasion is Adrian. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 And I'm kind of like, like that. You're a Friday dad. Um, well, fair play everybody for wearing the Christmas jumpers. Thank you. Yeah. Good effort. Good effort, one and all. All around, all around solid what effort. What happened to you, Cameron? Uh, I was looking for one yesterday and I couldn't. I was doing, you know, lastminute.com on it and I just couldn't find one anywhere. Yeah, so you thought you'd stick that Christmas robin in front of you and nobody really noticed Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Who are Red Star Paris? They're like the third club in Paris. So there's Paris Saint-Germain, obviously, um, for those of you who've never heard of those. Um, then Paris FC and then Red Star Paris, who are like, I think they're like the fifth tier French I just football. saw you floating around with a green jersey and I assumed it was Connacht. Hipster. No, no, and the Connacht mug is outside today, um, unfortunately. But yeah, I decided I'd wear this because it's green and it's got a little bit of red on it. Um, and they're, they're Christmassy colours, aren't they? They are. I had a better Christmas jumper that I didn't wear. It was. It has a photo of Louis Theroux's face and it says, Dancing Through the Snow. Ah, very good. It was better. I saw, I'm surprised. I actually thought it was quite refrained for a Shane Hannon. It says YOLO. Bit of gear, yeah. And, uh, you only live else? once. I don't know what else. You've met, like so you've, this is like, uh, if you were to, la- if nobody used to wear their tops and we were to lay them out and go, who matches with who here? <laughs> wouldn't really be too much question. Well, sorry, mine, yours is, try hard over Mine's here. the best in the room here. Quite, quite comfortably. I think comfortably, yeah. I think mine's quite subtle and nice. Now the problem is, I, is, there, a try hard. is there a cushion around? Because I need to, I need to be able to be seen here. Because I just realised well, you, you can't see. Need to be seen. I can't. I have a Slouching. great pasture. The pole pole pasture could have been better, but there usually is a cushion knocking around. As Billy Bowie could tell you, stop slouching, sit up there. He would. That's mm. a big one he used to yeah. say. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's all you're ever interested in football, is it? Yeah. You'll never, you'll never get a job out of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's another, um, another jumper I have too, Christmas jumper, and the scarf actually juts out. And the snowman. Right. I couldn't find it. Oh. Now, there, there, it stay tuned because there is better stuff coming. It's yeah. Christmas don't don't, uh, don't ah. take that as a no. Everyone everyone's that's watching now, they're, everyone's I think tuned be, out. Well, given we've a, a loyal legion of viewers who regularly like to have their say, we should put it to them. Who's who's decked out today? Well, you can't even really appreciate it. Ah, lads, it's not even a... Like, your jersey's great, but I mean, it's, it's not even a... That's what I have. If you want a Christmas jumper, that's a Christmas jumper. Like <sighs> You have to look no, fairly no, that's, crap. That's, yeah, no, that's it, yeah. Kevin Callahan, uh, good morning to you, Kevin. First, happy Friday from Slovakia, boys. Good morning to you, Kevin. I hope uh, life is good. And we have uh, loads to come, obviously, of actual uh, chat in a little bit. Uh, the football last night, and it turns out everybody was glued to this. Everybody was... Uh, <laughs> apart from you, Cameron, you didn't also get the invite, I don't think, out last night. I got a solid hour out of it, I'd say. Out of the match last night. Yeah, not 90 um, minutes. But yeah, nobody was really watching it. And Cullum, I, I don't know if you got a text, lads, yesterday, but Cullum was out, went out for a few pints yesterday. Did you get a... Oh, get, didn't get a text? Get a no, didn't no, get a nothing. text at all. No. Mm. I want to do that to my teammates. Same, they have to same, prepare for the show. Cameron, Cameron, Just nice to get the invite. Cameron is actually producing the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it'd be nice to get the invite, I mean, is what I'm saying. It'd leave, yeah, leave it up yeah, to him to decline. Thought, so counting, I wouldn't do that to a young player coming through, like, he needs to focus on the game. 
Star mm. player, I'm not going to injure a star well, you're player. Leaving him, you're alienating and him. And this guy, like, you know, like all the senior players don't like all that much. I, I, had to, I had to decline my, so shout out to my two housemates, Billy and Tom, who I had to mm. decline an invite to the pub last night because of my professionalism. Mm. And, no, it uh, didn't stop you the night before from what I heard. <laughs> no, <laughs> fair point. Um, yeah, one night in a row is enough for, for when you get to a certain age, I think. So, um, yeah, apologies to all. I offended by not going out last night, but look, it, it's a long Christmas season ahead and city season is well upon us, so there's plenty more nights. You're um, surprisingly sprightly. Colm? Yeah. You? Me? Yeah. I'm always sprightly. No, but you had points last night. I timed it well, though. I, did, I timed it really well. I was actually home. I just realised I was home for midway through the second half. Of the ah, Manchester yeah, City yeah. Liverpool. Some of these goals are familiar to me. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's all coming back to you. <laughs> it's coming back. You were out JP. Where were you? Sheehan's, down the road. Oh, yeah. Great pub. We could get some sort of partnership going with them, actually. Although we can't really with breakfast. But um, they were... Um, <laughs> good, good. They, they were... They're, they're great. <laughs> they're they're, they're good... Uh, very accommodating, like, and uh, good. What does good. that mean? They, they recognised you? They were like... Absolutely not. There's, there's very few people place. that work for this company that, I don't know if you've gotten onto this yet, lads, but when he's out and about, he, that he gets a little, are you your man from the... Are you that lad? I don't... There's, there's very few I got it. I got it in Galway. Uh, I got it in Galway at a stag. Appreciate I got three different you. groups of young lads coming up being like, oh, the breakfast show, watch it every... It's a mad mm. demographic. I thought it was an older crowd. And yeah, then yeah. I got it once, one other time at a gig and that was it. You must you must be able to walk down the streets. You love that. Oh, no, sure. So you get now kissing babies. You must be The streets of Westmead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Streets, Street yeah. of Kilmacud. Uh, from yeah. from Kilmacud. Kilmacud is an actual place. Tell us about Westmead. Yeah. Um, a few more here. Rona McLaughlin just says Shane. Now I'm going to um, insert the idea that he's sort of voting for your jumper there. Uh, yeah, maybe fair, maybe he's just starting to rant. He's going to be Spectre Corps. Uh, <laughs> with the next I can comment, preempt this comment with a screw you, Spectre Corps. Yeah. He says, "Wow, the A team today." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on the drive home for Christmas from Tenerife, Happy Christmas, lads. Says Jeez, uh, you, you, you might want to get a flight. And Shane's jumper by a long county Monaghan mile, says Fergus Kyo. Good man, Fergus. Yeah, but Fergus, you're just going by the aesthetics. You gotta, it's clearly the you best gotta look. Jumper. Well, I just, I don't think well, people sure, are really sure, seeing I mean, sorry, hang yeah, on now a second. So much more you're, to you're only going by the aesthetics. Yeah. What else do right. you go by? <laughs> subtlety. You're going by the smell of the jumper. Is smell, is it? Yeah. Look at that, look. I actually can't sit up any more They're only judging the food and the taste. What's that about? Yeah. Infantino over here in the corner. Yeah. Um... A with nice sort of clunky segue into some football chat um, yeah. that nobody watched last night. I did. I told you. I City Liverpool. I have to say the the entire game, the quality of the teams, the quality of the players on show, really helped me decompress from the World Cup. Surprisingly like, good. Yeah. Well, because I mean. we were all pouring scoring on it. You know. Mm. In fact, it might have been you, Cameron. I'm saying that straight off the top of my head without any research done. But before the World Cup, where we were like, oh, who t- it might not have been you. Uh, who would, you know, when the League Cup is back in the week after the uh, World Cup, who's going to give two hoots about this? Actually, it was brilliant. It was yeah. great. Well, that's that, it. I mean, you know, it was great that uh, Kevin De Bruyne saved himself yeah. during the World Cup for the for this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think was he like learning it on last night in a screw you Martinez sort of way? Yeah, like, he, he would have been angry. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. he would have been angry. Surely, I'm angry, Tony. After, um, yeah, Belgium, like they were disgrace. Mm. Um, oh. It felt it felt very good. It felt Premier League pace, and yeah. you don't often get that. The, it, and I think that that suits everybody. And actually, looking at some of the numbers, there's all this chat about sort of teams having a hangover from the World Cup, and you know, um, players are fatigued. But sixty players, sixty Premier League, sixty three Premier League players played in the World Cup quarterfinals, and that was down to twelve. So they were two weeks ago, mm. and that was down to twelve by the semi-finals. So there shouldn't be any idea yeah. of massive. I, I still think it's going to tell, like maybe. Not straight away, but in a couple of weeks' time, you'll see players starting to. Um, yeah, the tiredness might. Yeah, be. Well, the tiredness it, it, might it, it shouldn't affect anybody beyond those twelve players. But, if well, there's any players outside of that, they're making excuses. I don't think it's a total coincidence that 
the two star players in the final play for a, a club who are rarely challenged in their domestic league and were a bit fresher than everybody else. Mm. I don't like maybe I'm reading a bit too much into that, but I don't think that's entirely coincidental either. Yeah, and the fact that Griezmann was so good across the tournament and it, yeah. was used so sparingly mm. uh, on purpose uh, throughout the season in, in La Liga. Like, yeah, that the the players with energy who knew were going to play better in the World Cup. So yeah, well, and even Haaland, yeah. like ten minutes in. Yeah. lashes into the back of the net with his stud, literally with his studs. <laughs> uh, he's like, right, well, I mean, you've forgotten about me now over the last while, yeah. but I'm still here. And Cuevin Kelleher, um, like, I mean, we have this conversation after every single time he plays. Yeah. But bloody hell, he just needs to get out. He's such a good goalkeeper. He he has it all. He uses every part of his body to keep the ball out of the net. He's got great feet mostly. He seems to give great confidence to the defenders that are playing in front of him. Like he did. They're not wobbling around in a way that you might be with a subkeeper. Um, every time we see him play, we feel this guy just needs to start getting football. Yeah. And the worry now we were saying pre-show is like, that could be it for Cuevin Kellerham playing for Liverpool this season. Like his opportunities are severely diminished because mm-hmm. of the early, well, the relatively early League Cup exit. And, you know, that's when he became a star. Like one of the highlights for me of 2022 was his performance in the League Cup final. Yeah. And then when he absolutely thumped the penalty into the top corner. <laughs> and then his, like, he's yeah. such a laid back and unassuming demeanour. And, like, and, and he started off as a goalkeeper so late in life. It was only in his early teens he went in goal because Ringmahan were short of a player. Mm. And he used to be a striker. Oh, he's from Cork, yeah. He's from Cork, yeah. He used to be a centre forward, like banging in the goals. Yeah. Very good at the ball at his feet. Like, well, that, that's that's, that's the main start. Yeah, yeah, he started off, but mm. it is a shame. Yeah, I thought for the for the last goal, uh, or yeah, the Aki header, he um, and Michael Richards kind of brought it up. Maybe he could have been more vocal. Like the, the ball was clear. There was two or three City players lining up to yeah. head. Well, here, the here's the thing. Oh, here's the thing. So people, we've always looked at it and said, um, you know, that he's he's doing brilliantly, and if we could see, you know. Um, some people would have made the case that we don't see him very often. Mm. So because of that, it's kind of easy to be really good because you don't have to turn it on every now and then. Mm. But I think it sort of make the opposite case that we don't see him very often. He can't ever really be match fit because he's never getting a run of yeah. games. Yeah. No. It must be incredibly difficult because, I mean, that would that would not necessarily fully, can't be giving him an out because of that. But mm. if you're not fully match fit all the time and in the habit of like all those things that uh, Richards would have brought up, I think... Um, I think that you'd be more excited about him if you could see him week in, week out. I think the the Liverpool exit in the Carabao only serves to highlight the fact that he needs a loan move. Like I spoke to Packy Bonner about this recently enough and he was basically saying, yeah, now's the time for the loan move. I don't know where he goes. Um, I'd say there'd be a queue of clubs lining up for him. Mm. Um, Would there? Do you think? I think so. At what level do you well, think? Lower well, Premier League or well, championship? certainly championship clubs will be, line, will, be, will be lining up. It would be mad to get a signature given mm. the experience he has in the Champions League and everything else. But How he, many, he would get a Premier League uh, position. Th- this is a slightly unanswerable question because for the point that I've literally just made there a minute ago, yeah, okay. as in we don't see too much of him. But on the face of what we've seen, how many Premier League goalkeepers are better than him? Well, it's not, it's not fair in the Premier League goalkeepers that play all the time. Yes, Because if you it. play all the time, you're, you're going to concede more goals than a guy who sporadically shows up. Like, like he's mm-hmm. a, he, 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 yeah. play, he has cameos. Yeah, Guess but, for, but so, so I go back to the... I, you, you might have been just watching the highlights there and you, you maybe weren't paying a huge amount of attention. Well, I was listening to everyone from what we, say, from as what always. We've seen, as always. Uh, from what we've seen... I keep my ears off From what you. we've seen... Yeah. From what we've seen... <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> are there, how, many, how many Premier League goalkeepers are better, better than them? Um, I would say like yeah okay totally what they've seen or what I've seen yeah half a dozen maybe so I would put them like I would put them top ten goalkeepers in the Premier League mm. but it but 
Like, don't clip that line because it's not <laughs> clip, true. Clip I don't think Because yeah, I don't it, agree. Like, we've only yeah. seen him a bit. I, like, I think he's a good bit down the pecking order. I think there's goalkeepers who. He doesn't do anything wrong, though. But they're not in very defensively set teams. Like, I think Melier is one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. <laughs> but his defence in front of him is terrible. <laughs> and it means that um, he, it doesn't reflect well on him, but he is incredibly. Strong. He's got I a bit of the Shea Givens going on. Like yeah, this. I think Saar for Wolves has been fantastic, but Wolves' defence has been woeful. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you look at Liverpool's defence last night and you could have made a lot of the similar cases and potentially in the League Cup that would also have been the case. Like, look, it is unanswerable for mm. that exact reason, but I would love to he, see... He remains a mystery. He is a bit of a mystery, isn't he? Like, I, I, I suppose what I, I have a sense that he is better than a lot of starting goalkeepers in the Premier League. And I also have a theory that this is the best his career will ever get because as soon as he starts playing regularly, he'll just become another goalkeeper. Ah, no. We're, we're, fa- we're fascinated I, by talking about him. Weekend wow. league, a Premier League keeper, that's his... That's like he's twenty four now. Now is the time to go. I, I I actually think it's it's nearly getting beyond the point where he needs to be out on loan. Absolutely, and I think I'd be concerned if he stays for another season, for example, at Liverpool. What well, did you say he was twenty four? Mm. Like he needs to go. Well, we've kind of gone a little bit cold on Bazunu because you know Southampton because he plays all the time. Yeah, but it's and, and Southampton is difficult because you know the Premier League is actually does quite Kelleher, good. Does he have number one Irish ambitions? Because if he does, then he has ah, to look. Of course at, he does. Yeah, he has to, but he has to look at Gavin Bazunu playing week in week out in the Premier League and go. I, I'm never going to get into the Irish. Can team I just say we have not gone a bit cold on Bazunu? No, but I think we've sort of he's unbelievable. We've realised that for just Ireland. how much he still has to learn. But that I, like you know, I think Gallagher needs to. It, like, what do you think his feeling is? Do you, do you think he wants a low move? He seems happy where he's at. That's yeah, the, what I, are you I grinning about? There's a good comment coming. I'm asking in a minute. <laughs> what is it? Um, we'll ask in a minute. But uh, I think it's actually much more difficult for Keller than we're giving him credit for in terms of decision making, what he's going to do with his future. Mm. If you're at Liverpool and one of the best managers in the world loves you, it's, it's intoxicating, I imagine. And like, think about it, Keller, like, you know, he became a goalkeeper a decade ago. He's like, oh my God, this is how good I could be. Mm. And one of the best managers in the world court there you say says that, that uh, I, could be, I could be excellent. <laughs> And all it takes is Addison to get injured or <coughs> suspended yeah, or whatever. You can't, you can't sit around waiting for that. No, you can't. I don't think that. I, I think he could get, if he gets you good can waste run, a career he, doing he'll that. eventually yeah. need to go. He'll eventually need to go. But I, I don't think, think, I think he's, 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 he's wasting his career at the minute. I don't think he's, he's, he's too young. He's, he's Raymond van der Hout. He's Raymond van der Hout. He's not. We just stop. That's your Christmas He's a danger of turning into Raymond van Barneveld if he doesn't get a move sometime soon. You don't want to be that. That's good, yeah. The segue, that next clunky segue that you're probably getting to, Darwin Nunez is another player looking That's at him exactly last right. night and okay. he like it's so frustrating in one regard and in a very one dimensional way I could imagine as a Liverpool fan you'd be absolutely screaming at the TV at times with him because he just gets, seems to get himself in great positions and you have no faith in him as he seems to have no faith in himself to actually lash the ball in the back of the net he had three Jesus, he's quick though. clear oh cut God. chances last night and every uh, scuffed every one of them in the exact same way look mm-hmm. at his was, pace here for Salah's equaliser um, yeah, pace ridiculous unbelievable then that finish yeah. we have a, 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 a great great run for the uh, for the assist for the Salah goal a great run the speed of him exceptional and and his play around there is amazing. Maybe he needs to. I was t- thinking about it last night, and like it's not going ever going to be a like for like. But the Griezmann uh, situation with adapting to an entirely different position, just find somewhere else from get him away from goal. Like Jolinton. find Newcastle. find something else, some, find something else mm-hmm. from yeah. And I mean, I don't think it's deep central. It's probably deep wide. But um, I I think the <coughs> misnomer with the Darwin Nunes is that he was you know technically not. Uh, good enough, but I think he's technically brilliant. It's well, they say the same about Salah. Decision making is, but I looked, I'm looking at this chance here the 101 3 2 down in the 72nd minute. 
and he drags it with his right foot wide. It's, and that is classic Nunes, lack of composure. And then we have Fergus Keogh in the comments saying, would Shane have scored those chances Darwin missed? Mm. And there, another mystery with uh, OTB, when we talk about Cleveland Keller, is an external figure and internal figures. Just how good a football is Shane Hannon? Because I've heard a lot about this. You've heard a lot, have you? Yeah. Well, yeah. Mainly from Shane himself, of course. Yeah, that's Mainly, the thing. of course, uh, I'll bring it up. He, he gives hints about <coughs> that he is possibly very good. Ah, no, no. I have a strike partnership built up with, <laughs> with, with Paul Smith, who's a former League of Ireland legend. He's 41. All right. Young man. So I'm the young, I'm the young man on the team. But uh, would I have put them away? I like to think I would have. Uh, there's a famous uh, character in Monaghan Town called Tom Swift, Tom the Book, we call him at home, who uh, once signed me up for Monaghan Town in a chipper. And uh, he said, I'm signing you up because you know where the onion bag is. And that's where did he sign you up from, of course, is the question with you. like Free agent. <laughs> right, yeah. Just walking around the town. I was young. I was only 16 or 17. Right. And we won the Ulster Junior Cup the following year. The rest is history, mm. do you know? So yeah. that's all I'll say. Would I put them away? Same probably not. <laughs> <laughs> probably, absolutely, absolutely not. Was that your GMAC for the day? That was, was, that was the GMAC. Uh, the other I big news, know. of course, uh, emerging overnight was that um, Gian- Gianni Infantino has unfollowed Salt Bay on Instagram. He's gone from, I think, 303 to 302 followers. He's oh. gone. And also, FIFA launched an investigation as to what the, he was doing on the pitch uh, after the World Cup final. Um, I mean. What's the investigation required for? Like yeah, he was there, he was a dose. He was there as a pal. He was also seemed to be wearing a grey suit that like made him look a little bit fifish. Yeah, and he had a lanyard, didn't he? He had a lanyard on him. That gave him like, certain access. Yeah. Do you think were the security people going? Oh, here's Salt Bay. I might get myself free steak <coughs> if I let him on the pitch. I don't like, know. If, if, you, if you've heard about his steak, you wouldn't really want that. Like he'd have to pay you. It doesn't sound like it's well. He, he, I, he, he, I tell you now, straight off the bat, that's not true. You're he not a fan of two grand for the pleasure. Yeah. So you're absolutely. not a fan of the steak. So the steak comes out with uh, a suitcase, a bit of smoke rising out of it. You've got a couple of bodyguards either side. Salt Bay's there, ready to do his, his little piece. Uh, gold, gold plated steak, whatever. Yeah. You want. But you're not a fan of the. What is it with the, the gold the on the steak? I don't, why, I don't want to be eating gold. Like, no, don't be I, charging me extra for gold. gold. I'm all right yeah. for the gold, thanks. Yeah. Like, and then he comes yeah. out and his, his shtick is that he does the old salt off the elbow, yeah. slathers, lathers uh, the steak with salt. That's so it, I yeah. paid two grand for this, I presume prime cut of steak. I can't taste the steak because <laughs> he's just covered in salt. So you'd Plus, if you're a big enough celebrity and you come out with Jim Fantino was... The which you would be as well if you were over in Dubai, course. obviously. Uh, th- so if you're a big enough celebrity, he'll actually allow you to do the salt. Yeah. So I'm like, I've turned up here because your only shtick is that you're going to do the salt. And then you're, and you're asking it. me yeah, to do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, for a photo op. I just love the idea of you being of you going to the restaurant <laughs> and he does the whole shtick and you're like, I'm okay for salt. I would be, I would be like, listen... Give me all the bay you want. Is it... Sorry, just am I paying two grand for hold this? Hold the salt, i take the bay. I'm, I'm grand for your salt. <laughs> I'd better. love to see you. There's a, a place in LA, Adrian, I've heard of, called Cafe Gratitude. And they don't... So you have a menu. We should all take a trip there. We should all go, oh, we should do a show from there. That'd be great. Because they have a menu, but you don't order like, oh, I'll have this. You tell the uh, wait staff, today I feel, like, relieved or joyous. And that you order based on that. And, like, for... Cynical Irish people like us, I feel like that'd be a lot of fun. What if you were like Infantino when you were well, Infantino today? I feel yeah, like, yeah, he. I, I wonder what he'd a brand get. new restaurant based on Infantino's uh, monologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Infantino's. hold on. If you say I feel relieved, is it uh, an option? That well, you get they, that they, the wait staff come over and they go, "How are you feeling today?" And I feel Whoa, pleasant, and that'll correspond to something on the menu. But lots of people, like British people, go and just. By the way, I'm not doing that shite. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what if you have allergies? Like, well, and also. What, what is it, this for a coffee order or food? Food. 
right. it's a vegan um, restaurant. Uh, Today I feel place. I'm hungry. So you you, you wouldn't oh, be going. I don't have anything in, for that. I'm afraid. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't go if you're in Dubai to Salt Bay's restaurant. No, like I I just I never understand. You know when you watch TV cooking programs and yeah. you know the chefs and everybody else are there and they 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 pour like a half a gallon of cream all the salt you want into these dishes and then afterwards they're all like oh this is delicious it's all it doesn't matter what you do with food if you pour a half a gallon of cream and a lot of salt into it it's a fair point it's going to be good yeah yeah i've i've got a joke about dubai do you want to hear it yes please go on uh, the people in dubai I'm slightly concerned here but yeah, go ahead it's safe uh, the people in dubai don't like the flintstones but the people in abu dhabi do mm, very good yeah Lovely. Yeah. I'll just go. I'll just leave. <laughs> that is wonderful. Thanks for coming in, Shane. It's Christmas. Thank you. That's oh, my. Uh, that's my a Christmas cracker joke. Anyone? Any better jokes? Clean ones in the comments, please. Thank you. Any stories? Any stories? Yeah. Um, right. Um, so yeah, that's my the whole salt best stuff. They've lodged an investigation into it. What the hell is he doing on the pitch? And um, I suppose we'll discover over the next while what he was doing there. And he's, he's like the a, human form of the guy jersey at a event, isn't he? he just appears everywhere. He just appears he's at every. Lump, he's everywhere. But he, he um, elicits the complete opposite reaction. Yeah. Uh, oh, here he is again. It left a bad taste. Sandro <laughs> Martinez, he's like, sorry, excuse the, <laughs> excuse the salty pun. Um, but like, well, there's the headline right there. Yeah, yeah. Bad taste. Salt Bay leaves a bad taste. But completely unintentional as well. I'm just, must be naturally funny, I think, yeah. is, the, is the phrase. Um, smattering salt into the wound over there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's just one of those things that you just, and when you see the video, it makes you a little bit angry. You're like, what is this dose doing here? Oh, well, I was the fact that, that Messi gave him such a cold shoulder I thought was genius as well. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. so much more um, enraged by that than the, the Bisht thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like uh, him uh, on the... Hold on, is he not a hero? Like, he's got so much out of so little. Isn't he an inspiration to many? Salt he's fooled the world. He's fooled the world. Good luck to him. Yeah, fair it's play. It's everyone else's fault. Fair play to him, for, for sure. His stick is the... He does a little salt on the stick and he cuts it up funny. It's a bag and of smoke. Then, and he says nothing. And then he says, he doesn't say a word. Mm. So there's like there's a minimal no, uh, output. No spiel, yeah. Puts on sunglasses, he hides. Mm. You watch him if you want to. White t shirt. And that's all he does. And yeah. he's probably, what, what's he worth? Yeah. Oh, he's got, he's, you know got, I mean? he's charging two grand a steak at four we're, or five restaurants. We're angry the at the wrong person. Mm. Angry at the people, Shane. I'm angry not Tony. the man. Yeah. In this case, the man has tricked us. Right, we we d- we've, um, we're going to reconvene this conversation, I understand, in about 20 minutes' time or so. Mr Cameron thinks we should, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think with less added spice. There's more, there's more to discuss, is that what we're saying? Someone, this in, the, is someone in the comments has said the only thing uh, worse than Salt Bay's restaurant is Shane's joke. I, I'm very offended by that. Which one? Which? Take your pick. The, the Abu Dhabi do, I think, is the one. 7.52, you're watching OTPM and uh, delighted to have you along with us this morning. Uh, we're going to have more of that later on, so if you're... Finally uh, heard. To, uh, <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, brought to you live each morning, of course, by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Here's what's coming up between now and 10 this morning. Ronan Nagara standing by and be joining us in a couple of moments' time. Uh, we're going to be uh, dipping into Shane Hannan's top five snooker moments of the year. Yeah, underrepresented sport. Let's mm. let's dive so in. Let's dive that's, deep. That's the way to, yeah, underrepresented sport. That's the, that's the way excited to about that. I'm buzzing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go from that to darts. And we're going to be joined by Jack Langston, who's a sports uh, darts podcaster and former referee. Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you're looking forward to that as well. I'm looking for, eyes, also yeah. looking forward if to that. You could yeah. see how joyous your eyes look when My you My eyes uh, are knackered from being up 
very uh, late with the kids. Uh, and then we've uh, we have our other panel to come in at some point or another. And then Alan Quinn is going to come in and talk some sense about rugby. So this is uh, this is the way that the morning is stacked uh, stacked up. <laughs> well, with Darts and snooker morning. fans, tune in, get excited. That's right. And if you're not into those things, also stay tuned because we've other good stuff coming a little bit after that. Uh, delighted to say seven uh, fifty three. It's uh, Friday morning. Ronan Gary, good morning to you. Morning, hey lads. How are you keeping? You're on form. Oh, listen, I don't. Know. I'm not quite sure what's going on uh, this morning, Ronan, but we'll, I'm sure it's <laughs> going to be the, the the tone of the day. How are you keeping? Good. Yeah, I was enjoying the South Bay stories. It's um, I have a good one in that as well. Uh, two of my players, Victor Vito and Carvalho, got caught uh, <laughs> in Dubai for um, for a night out, thinking they were two big dogs going to the gone to one of his restaurants and uh, I think actually bought them back to uh, ring their bank in New Zealand to alter their limit on their credit card. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't uh, they weren't getting the Infantino free steak then? No, I, I don't need because they obviously eat quite a bit of protein rugby players, you know, mm. so I think they went again and what actually <laughs> happened, I actually think they left they left a little bit of the second steak behind <laughs> and they were just like, oh my God, do you understand how much that cost? And, um, <laughs> Did they go for the gold-plated one, did you find out, or was it just a straight? No idea, I was yeah. there with them, but I... Uh, I was hoping it was probably because I have five kids they were smart enough not to invite me and, and Jess but um, it's, it's, it's uh, an extraordinary amount of money isn't it for for, uh, for a night out you know and it was great too two Kiwis they, they watched the pennies those two boys two great guys <laughs> what, what would you do Ronan what would you do if you say hypothetically in your, during your career won a, won a World Cup with Ireland you're celebrating with the trophy and you turn around to a tap on your shoulder on Salt Bay you turn around and Salt Bay is behind you you know, dying I for a photo. I, I would say, you know, you're in your uh, your own little world at that stage. I'd say they had no idea who this guy is or, mm. or what's going on. You know, I think they presume it was some kind of probably uh, organizer, kind of helping with the parade. <laughs> little did they know. Salt <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. And the lashings of salt on the steak. I'm like, if I'm paying two grand for a gold-plated steak, the last <laughs> thing I want is a load of salt on it. I'm not going to lie. It can't be that much, though, is it? That's apparently for the gold-plated one, yeah. Do you get to keep the gold? When I don't know, out? does that include him? No, you eat, you eat it. I know, but then when it comes out the other end, do you oh, get it? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I haven't got that part of the conversation, Jen. I'm not going to lie I to you. I don't know how it works. I don't know, is the two grand, like, sort of, do you get him coming out to sort of give the old elbow thing? I don't I know if that's part course, of the package. Yeah, but. I presume. If you went there, if you're a high enough celebrity, they let you do this all. So if you went there, he'd definitely be saying, listen, you look after that. That's <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it was... Uh, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it just uh, the best of action on the pitch and the worst of action off the pitch, wasn't it? It was, some, it was, it was beyond cringe, some of the things. But um, yeah, obviously being in France, Mbappe was a big story here. Yeah. And, um, how is everybody? Funny, I've, I've, I'm chatting to some French people since the. What are you grinning about? <laughs> no, I was just, I was just thinking. Imagine for him scoring well four goals in a World Cup final, and you don't bring home the bacon. Insane. You know? It's. it's chatting to some to French do, people. There was a lot of. Um, <laughs> good, uh, good analogy. Given the conversation yes. we just <laughs> that and the gold. As uh, good as you were, were with, uh, I was up late with the kids last night. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to explain the uh, the red eyes here, Ronan, and you. Yeah, you'll, exactly. Yeah, you'll appreciate yeah, yeah. it. Keep going. Anyway. <laughs> the uh, chatting to some French people after the game, and they were uh, surprisingly sort of like. Um, 
sanguine about it and uh, accepting of the result in a way that I think if it was us, we'd be in a depression for about six months afterwards. But I suppose they're sort of there and thereabouts. What's the general reaction been around where you are with people sort of post-World Cup? Are they just say la vie? Yeah, that is that is the beauty of over in this country. There's a obviously a, a new story, a new storm nearly the next day. So it just keeps rolling. I think obviously... I asked them, I asked the players, I said, I said, what happened France in the first half? You know, I just mm. said, how do you make that out? And they just kind of said, ça c'est la France. Mm. <laughs> like mm. that's France, you mm. know, and it was because if they played any way better than they did in the first uh, 45 minutes, it obviously it was a big deficit they had to recuperate. But obviously, you know, I mean, even at two all, it was probably five minutes where it seemed Argentina were dead. Their legs were probably, uh, but France didn't kick on again, you know. Is there a culture of blame? I know in England, for example, you know, when Harry Kane misses the penalty or even in the Euros when, when Rashford and Sancho and those lads missed the, the penalty in the shootout uh, defeat against Italy. Is it the same in France? Like many and, and Coman missed miss the penalties in the shootout? Like No, it's actually, it's it's bizarrely different and better in that regard, I think. Um well, what I noticed from the RMC would it be the kind of, I suppose, the big French uh, sport radio station over here. Uh, very, very good coverage, but I think they seem to be quite consistently harsh throughout the year, so there's no spiking. And that seems, while the World Cup is is kept at the same level as, I suppose, any other sporting event and the fact that they, they, they look for a consistency of performance and they criticise a lot. But they also have some fantastic debate about, uh, you know what I mean, just throwing items out there to discuss. And, you know, so there's obviously debate now about Deschamps or Zidane to, to, to who will coach for the next World Cup. And obviously Deschamps' record is incredibly good. And, but... Uh, Zidane is is very much, I suppose, the the crowd favorite, the public's favorite, uh, and it's fascinating radio listening to uh, the the whys and the whys not, and Benzema available for the final. Why wasn't he brought in? Um, so yeah, obviously uh, a, a pretty um, uh, luxury of resources in France at the minute of, with the with the World Cup coming up in, in rugby as well and excitement building with that. But the the, the soccer team have been um, have been really interesting to follow. What's the best season the Aviva? <laughs> <laughs> you tried them all, I think. <laughs> um, but sure, it's it was whatever like COVID rules, you know what I mean? So. Were you trying to? Were you just trying to get a like a good vantage, or what? Were you just? You were. Yeah, but obviously, if you're behind the post, you can you can see where space is. That was always. Uh, so if I watch a captain run, that's where I'd watch a captain's run. Friday, you know, like yesterday, for example, because you can see. Essentially, you're square to the action. Yeah. So you see the you see the 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 outline of the pitches, the players see it. So it's very easy. To, uh, to 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 see where space is, uh, but yeah, I was as I said, it was probably our best forty minutes and our worst forty minutes. But the first forty was pretty uh, emphatic. The venue uncertainty didn't do any harm in the end. Anyway, was it? Um, did it make any difference to your planning, or was it just grand? We're now we're there, and then we go. Oh no, of course it did because like sure, we went up to the Kingspan and we flew into Belfast Airport. 
and went directly from the airport to the ground to we weren't allowed on the pitch obviously but just to kind of give I suppose guys a, a mental picture of what would happen uh, tomorrow I think La Rochelle played Ulster in 2017 or 19 I think um, so a lot of the players would have been familiar but it's a newish enough group so it was in our planning to just go but sure, the minute you got to uh, Kingspan it was particularly cold it's in the shade and uh, by standing on the outskirts of the pitch you knew straight away there was no chance this game is taking place here so mm. in the back of my mind I was thinking can we just wait in La Rochelle till we get a decision where the game is on but no I think we had to present we were meant to meet the referee on, on Friday at the at the ground at 4.30 so we obliged with that um, but I think everyone knew that the game was never going to be in the Kingspan could you understand Ulster's frustrations, Ronan, or is it a case of when you're the opposition manager, well, you're not really caring or paying attention to that regardless? Um, no, but I suppose we've got to control what we're controlling. You know, if it was a narrow shell, it wouldn't happen because um, you obviously have to plan A, B and C. And the weather is a big part of guaranteeing your income. So especially what we've gone through with COVID, there should have been... Uh, provisional plans in place no one likes to play in an empty stadium it was just important for us that the game went ahead uh, but as competitors we wanted to play in a, in a packed out um, Kingspan that's the reality but um, I suppose a lot of the the um, points in the in the um in the coming up to the game didn't add up so I think there was uh, a few uh, dots that weren't joint and all of a sudden um, whatever the bull had escaped out of the field and it's too late you can't get it back you know you can't stall the pitch in, 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 in that amount of time You mentioned there about the best and worst half uh, of rugby that you've played like is there Looking at it, it feels like there's almost a natural momentum swing. When it, the performance, obviously, the points difference at half time, is that just something that's impossible to guard against, or are you looking at it, you know, like that natural momentum swing where you know uh, Ulster obviously get fired up at half time? Maybe your players take the foot off the gas a little bit because of whatever it was was it 29 points or whatever it was between them at half time. Is that a natural momentum swing, and you write it off that way, or are you looking at it saying actually uh, here were our markers A, B, and C, and we missed them? No, I think I think there's a little bit of both. I think it's hard at 29-0 to kind of go, okay, this is uh, a game is in the balance. You can't say that. Obviously, because of my lack of discipline, I can't give any messages at halftime. So I am obviously the main culprit, and, and that's disappointing. Um, so there's, there's a loss of clarity coming from the head coach to to what players want but the assistant coaches can, can do that uh, uh, and obviously Ulster I think were, were probably a little bit more accurate in the second half we were a lot uh, more inaccurate so you compound the both of them with a few little I suppose uh, emptying the bench maybe a bit uh, a, well not a, as, as you want with the result probably not threatened um, equaled to um us giving up four tries, which is particularly disappointing. 
Is there any of the, like, uh, you're alluding to it there, but the, like, enforced delegation almost that you have to do now because you can't be involved on match day. Is there any of that that you're looking at at the minute or talking to your coaches about has been a good thing for them? Like, obviously, Donica is out front and centre after the game and he's doing the post-match interview and he's getting exposure to that end and I'm sure the, the match day experience in a way that he wouldn't if you were about. Am I after losing your sound? Do you have me there? Oh yeah, you're back. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm uh, just. Yeah, no, no, on, yeah. you're right. But I think it's uh, not like the match day experience is um, isn't um, as as I suppose there there are times like up to up to going into the changing room. I'm able to obviously converse and in the hotel and on the bus and then. Uh, but once you take to the change room, for me, preparation should be done. I suppose what's critical is the one or two messages at half time. But as you say, Donica or, or uh, Sebastian or Roman or Guto can can easily give those give those messages. It's just that capacity to look people in the eye, the, the, just to judge the the body language of the group. That's and then as a result, maybe you. That's the best indicator for me to judge what your next word should be. So missing that is obviously very uh, awkward and difficult. But uh, I think sometimes we can uh, overemphasize our importance. You know, at that time, it's very much the players. It's the leader's time. And I remember that as a player myself. Yeah, you've got a good supporting coach, no matter who he is or how good he is. Uh, But it's essentially player's time. Ronan, how did you find it? it? Was an interesting chat on the one of our football shows, the kick off yesterday with the, the uh, former Irish international Keith Tracy. He was talking about being a professional sports person over Christmas and like sitting in hotel rooms and watching reruns of Only Fools and Horses and trying to pass the time as you hear the people, you know, partying on Stevens Day or whatever down down below. What was that like? I know for yourselves, example, you're away to Perpignan on New Year's Eve, but even as a player, you know, having a game on Stevens Day and, and having to focus on training and matches around the Christmas time, how, how did you find it? Was it a good thing or was it a was it something you always felt you were missing out on something else? No, I didn't. I was, I suppose, in the Munster team I played with, it was the, it was the big team at the time. There was huge privilege involved and I suppose being grateful for it. For me, it was like I was kind of... Um, playing with my tormented mind should I be goal kicking should I be goal kicking on Christmas day I need to goal kick on Christmas morning you know that's how the mind fools you and saying that oh, I'm probably missing out on the reps that could cost you a final here that's that's where I was for a long stage then you got a little bit of peace of mind and you could actually compartmentalise the role of sport in your life but um, it's all I've ever known it's all I've ever done in that regard for for, for me it was uh I mean, essentially the family where your real family, but then you're just sporting family, which is Munster, the Ireland team. And and I suppose the sacrifices involved uh, representing those two teams completely outweighed uh, the sacrifices of having to miss out on nights out around Christmas time. And so would you go out on Christmas Day for a bit of kick and practice ordinarily? Yeah, I did earlier on, you know, I think probably from years maybe 20 to 27, I think, or 18 to 27 and then after a while, you can actually uh, understand yourself to know that, you know, you know, I'm not going to be punished if I don't kick today. Mm. Uh, but it's it's all about, um, you know what I mean, the, the inner voice talking to you. 
Are you uh, getting a few days off? Are you getting home after tonight? Or yeah, what's I now? am. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I look, we play tonight, and uh, uh, yeah, I can get home tomorrow through Nantes to London, and then London into Cork. So for a few uh, days. Home. Yeah, home. It's great actually in France. It's the you have to have compulsory um, four days off consecutively at Christmas. You know so. They really squeeze the prep for the next game, but that's a good thing too. It kind of becomes like a barbarian's week, you know. You just uh, concentrate on the the crucial things and get them right for an away performance, hopefully. Yeah. So we have the 24th, 25th, 26th, travel back to 27th and train the 28th, 29th, off the 30th, play the 31st. And then you roll into um, um, Toulouse, Ulster, Northampton, um, racing Leon, and then that's the fifth of February for for Six Nations games, the same day as we play Leon. So, did I, it's uh, getting exciting. Uh, just just a bit busy as well. Did I see during the week there's been new flights, extra flights added from from La Rochelle to Cork? This wasn't a direct request from you, Ronan, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic, no, because that's. Uh, but I I think there's it's with an asterisk, so we have to talk to Michael O'Leary. I think it's only for. <laughs> For May, June, and July, is it? Or June, July, August? Which oh, for the hot months, right, right, right. Well, yeah, which suits um, uh, the man to your left very well. <laughs> We're already in negotiations about uh, about next summer. <laughs> I might be on to you. Cheese and wine. Yeah. Um, what's the? Uh, will you bring the laptop with you, or what's the? You'll do a bit. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the office. You know, laptop and phone is all you need as a as a manager. Yeah. Uh, so what sort of stuff you'll be will you squirrel away a few hours here and there or what sort of stuff are you is it opposition work or what can you do when you're no. in a group like that no 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 it's just just keeping an eye on is everyone uh, ticking over you know obviously for two days there'll probably be nothing going on but like you got to remember we have uh, some guys are short term injuries some term long term injuries a little bit of how, where are they you've got to manage uh, for example, like uh, Astoy and Dante and Remy Bordeaux are on holidays this week because of just, I suppose, the the unrelenting nature of the program, you know. But so you, every person is very different and how you set up your team. Um, and the championship is obviously tight, so um, results become important, even though obviously you want to just focus on performance. So uh, it's just a little bit of trying to find, I suppose, uh, balance w- with everything. It'll be a very special few days for you. You don't get home that often. No, it'll be great. Exactly, can't wait for it. Will it be the what? What's your Christmas movie of choice, running? Is it a Home Alone? Oh or no, Die Hard. No, I, it's terrible. I don't do movies. The only thing I do is sport. You know, or sport movies. But right, uh, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. That's why I, I, I watch the darts all day. That's why I should listen Will to you, old man. Yeah, my snook. My granny was a massive fan of snooker, so I grew up watching uh, Steve Davis and Stephen Hendry and Dennis Taylor, and obviously Ronnie O'Sullivan was well, still is a a particular freak, isn't he? In, in what he can do on on a snooker table, so uh, yeah, I admire uh, just their capacity to perform. It's 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 a fascinating subject. I think the the top six inches in in a, in a snooker person's mindset. We've got plenty of snooker and darts on the rest of the show. We'll, we'll get a trip to. I'm heading over to the Crucible for the third time now in uh, in April, Ronan. We'll get a few. We'll get a few frames in. 
we'll get, we'll get Ronnie to show us around who's your favourite player ah oh, Ronnie by a country mile yeah 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 he's interviewed Ronnie he sat down with him Ronan so even if he wasn't as amazing he wasn't if he gave him some time that's uh, <laughs> give him some time yeah yeah <laughs> You could, you, you, I don't know if you can see him here, but the smile that came in his face when you said you were going to be watching the darts was off the charts the here. Snooker as well, Jesus. If, uh, <laughs> that's that's taken to another level. Uh, yeah, just the accuracy involved is is, is fascinating. Well, we, just... We've kind of had a discussion on the show that came up, you know, which is the tougher skill, the 147, the 9 darter, or the hole-in-one in golf. It's kind of led to an interesting one. It's... Sean Murphy, I think, is the only person who's who claimed. Yeah, I saw that actually. I saw that, but like a hole in one is freakish. Obviously, correct, but like one four seven isn't. Or hitting uh, whatever a nine uh, a nine darter is a leader, isn't it? That's yeah. just uh, repetitive perfection. Enjoy the break. Thanks for everything over the, over the year. Cheers, Ronan. Good man. Good man. Look forward to chatting to you soon. Cheers. Happy Christmas. You have a Christmas. Ronan the guy on the line there from uh, Larry Shell in the busy time ahead. It was I wasn't even looking at you, and I could see the grin coming on when the when he mentions the the darts. Didn't realise he was a snooker fan either. No, that's uh, we'll have to get a we'll have to do a a snooker only chat with with Ronan at some point, and maybe a bit of darts as well. It's class. But uh, when you look at, it's no surprise because when you're a look, Ronan was involved in a team sport, but when you're a kicker. Uh, especially there is an individual element to that mm. and you probably look at people like Ronnie O'Sullivan who excel so much at the psychological element of individual sports mm. so I think he, he probably takes little no- bits of nuggets from people like Ronnie O'Sullivan tries to adopt it in his own in his own game um, but as he said the top six inches of their of their thinking you know for a darts player or a snooker player who are in a sport that takes so much concentration um, and similarly to Ronan as well I think elite um, appreciates elite that's probably an element of it there. Uh, okay, it is exactly a quarter past eight. You're watching Go to BAM and uh, happy Christmas to you, wherever it is you're at or out and about the country or indeed beyond, as we've had some international uh, comments in already this morning. Uh, happy Christmas to you. I hope you've a few days off and you get to enjoy it at home, as Ron has been talking about there. Um, loads still to come. Our panel is going to reconvene in a few minutes' time. I'm not 100% sure uh, what we're going to be talking about, but I mean, we'll discover all that uh, shortly. But if you're looking for something to do over the Christmas holidays, my old footballer Paddy Durkin alongside his brother's Mark and James are running a charity golf uh, Am-Am at Castlebar Golf Club on December the 29th and 30th. Fundraiser is in aid of Lower Lakelands Respite Home. It's part of the Western Care Association and the format is a Champagne Scramble. Teams of four. It's €80 Euro a team to enter. Lots of great prizes to be won and of course great cause to support there as well. There's a GoFundMe page as well. If you can't make the event but you'd like to donate you can just uh, find out more details on the Castlebar Mitchell's social channels. More to come. See you the other side of the break. We're going to have Shane's uh, top five snooker moments. OTB AM With Gillette Get into your flow With the new Gillette Labs Razor With exfoliating bar 17 minutes past 8 It is OTB AM And uh, we're delighted to be with you On this Friday morning I'd say most people Have probably clocked off At this stage For the uh, festivities mm, Everyone's brain The holidays Yeah yeah I think it's Call them that Mentally The holidays Yeah, yeah. of course um, Yeah I think everyone From about a week ago maybe had mentally It's officially off. like a non-work day though if I'm right Today, today is Yeah isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think so What are we doing here? It's the we, just, we just go what, So we're go, go, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah um, Shane's top five snooker moments of the year Yeah So uh, there's been plenty that's happened Adrian I know you've been oh, keeping yeah. a keen eye on it I know f- eye. for sure Ronan O'Gara has yeah. been keeping a keen eye on, uh, on, on action it's been, it's been a great year for snooker um, so I just wanted to pick kind of five of the moments that really stood out to me. The first one 
was Ronnie O'Sullivan. I mean, it's a nice segue from, from the chat we just had with Ronan. That hug that you see on the screen with himself and Joe Trump lasted an uncomfortable amount of time. This was after Ronnie uh, equaled Stephen Hendry's. And look at the emotion on his face. He's bawling, crying. And, and that's an emotion you don't see from Ronnie too often with his two kids. Um, after well, creating history, he, like a seventh world title, if there was any discussion as to who is the greatest of all time, he's ahead of Stephen Hendry in, in most of the other records in terms of centuries and 147s, ranking titles. He's now level with him in world championships. So I think the discussion, the argument as to who the greatest of all time is uh, finished there. So he equaled Steve Davis's record of 30 crucible appearances, a 20th quarterfinal, a record 13th semi-final earlier this year, and then beating Joe Trump comfortably as well, 18-13, um, in the final at the Crucible in Sheffield a 39th ranking title and a 21st Triple Crown title so the Triple Crown is a World Championship a UK Championship or a Masters mm. um, and the famous Ray Reardon beating a record of his so Ronnie was 46 years and 148 days so the oldest world champion in the sports history um, surpassing Ray Reardon's record from, he, from 1978 He's like Jimmy White and Stephen Hendry rolled into one isn't he? He is. Like, you get the entertainment and the success. He's like the ideal yeah, person yeah. that you want. Exactly, because Jimmy White famously, of course, losing six world finals and never becoming a world champion. But um, that, that, that emotion, that, that's, an aside, that's a side we never really saw from Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, there was a Netflix, I think there was a Netflix crew, certainly a camera crew following it. Oh, that's around. right, yeah. So was that, that never came no, to No, there has the been a Eurosport documentary that, that, was, that was brilliant. Um, where he sat What's down, the story with that? Is it just sitting in the... It's sitting in the ether. I don't know if there's a release date or what, what the plan is for it, but um, I look forward to seeing it when it's, when it's uh, eventually released. I, I think he's, the, he's probably the most talented sports person I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, like supremely, The fact that you can play with both hands so comfortably and switch back and forth... Um, you know, he, he takes the game not seriously at times and then he takes it very seriously... But for How me, is he viewed by his fellow pros? I often wonder. I think it comes and goes in waves. Uh, some of them think he's disrespectful, but they should all be very thankful to Ronnie O'Sullivan because the interest levels he brings to the game, the extra money he brings into the game, and interest from from outside. Mm. Is he bigger than the sport? Probably. Um, you know, most people in the street would would probably know or know of Ronnie O'Sullivan. Whereas, you know, try and name three other snooker players and they'll struggle. Mm. Um, you know, it's not like the heyday of the 80s where you had 18 and a half million people watching that black ball final between oh, Davis yeah. and Taylor. I mean, don't know if those days will ever return because uh, there's a number of reasons for that. Like snooker halls in Dublin and, and other cities across Ireland aren't as common as they were because, I mean, the space it takes to have, say, six to eight snooker tables. Do I you mean, play? Uh, look, I, pl- I play, but I'm terrible. How many 147s have you had? Ah, Jesus. <laughs> Just stop. How many 14 breaks have I had is a, is a, better, is a better question. Is, is this a list? Are you giving us a reverse list here, or is reverse this list, just yeah. random? It's just so random. That's five, is it? Just random. So that's, yeah, there's no order to this. Ah, but right. It was probably my favourite moment of the year, I, ha- I have to say. Um, Jimmy White. So, uh, Jimmy White had a bit of a angry discussion with the referee earlier this yeah. year. So, he was given a verbal warning. This was during the Northern Ireland Open up in Belfast. The uh, Welsh referee, Ben Williams... Um, Basically, he was playing Luca Brussel. It was during the fourth frame of the match. White nominated the brown ball. So sometimes when there's two balls kind of relatively close together, the player, when they're getting down, will, will just say out loud which ball they're intended mm-hmm. to hit, even though Jimmy White is so good that the referee can just assume that he's going to hit the ball he's aiming for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just out of courtesy, he said brown ball, and then Williams repeated back as the referee does. Uh, blue ball. Jimmy angry turns around and said, I said brown. Um uh, but it was what happened next that, that kind of pissed off Jimmy White. So the referee starts laughing at his own mistake. Mm. And it was at a, quite a tense moment in the match. When I first saw this, I, I thought Jimmy was out of line. I thought, I was thinking, you know, he said, what are you laughing at? And it, it felt a bit uh, stern and tense from Jimmy. But then if you, if you watch it back, it's a very tense moment of the match. The referee's laughing. 
the referee should just say apologies, Jimmy. I think it was. I, I have watched. It's a, like a nervous laughter. It is a nervous. He's laugh. not. He's not laughing at him. He's like, oh crap. Okay. I did think that Jimmy White's reaction was totally uncalled for. Yeah, I mean, there's no need to be an asshole about it. No, I think the referee then maybe unnecessarily gave Jimmy a bit of a warning. He said Jimmy held up his finger. Yeah, but he was like, t- he was, he was basically verbally abusing him. I, uh, I don't know if that's a bit of a stretch. I, I think he Jimmy was given it. The, he was given it the biggin. I think it's moment of concentration of like, and there's a lot of money on the on on the line as yeah. well for Jimmy. Like, I think the referee sometimes needs to um, be aware of the situation they're in. And he could have just said, "Here, actually, I called Brown. Don't appreciate you laughing about it." And it's not the way he went about it. Yeah, I think the referee was embarrassed, and that's why maybe he handed out the um, the warning. I think he it, was it, like, it was a nervous. I, I I think it was a nervous laughter to begin with, and then. But I think after that he went back into serious mode and was like, "You can't speak to me like that." Yeah, yeah. And I think that's fair enough. Yeah. The referee has got to be, particularly in a sport like that, like in any sport. It, it, there was a so the quote from be, look, Ronnie Sullivan was on Eurosport that day. He, look, he is very good friends with Jimmy White, but he he said about it. I can see why Jimmy hasn't seen the funny side of it. He's having a hard time out there. He's not playing well. Uh, Jimmy has walked around here, so it might look like he's looking at the blue. The referee has jumped the gun. Um, and so he says, the referee starts laughing. Jimmy goes like, like that with his hand, and he's done nothing with his hand, apart from to say, what's going on? I don't need this. He's warned him, and you just think it's uncalled for, really. So that was Ronnie's take. But it was just one of those moments that stood out, and everyone's like, oh, Jesus. Mm. Snooker can get tetchy. I wanted to use this as, as an excuse. <laughs> Snooker can get tetchy. Yeah, it can <laughs> get tetchy. It, it can, it let can. Let me tell you, Adrian. Um, right, what so else th- There's an excuse to play this video. So we were talking okay. about Steve Davis in the 80s and, and Ronnie O'Sullivan and the, and the, the heroes. There's, this is a great clip uh, and it's, look, it's Christmas time. I just wanted to play this again. It's my chat with uh, with Ronnie and Jimmy White in Drogheda. They were over for an exhibition. There's one little uh, F-bomb in here. So if there's any uh, sensitive ears, maybe cover them just for, for the next 30 seconds or so. Uh, but it's two lads talking about Steve Davis in the 80s what sort of character he was. He was boring, but uh, set, the, set, the, set the way and, and kind of laid the foundations for both of them, I guess. Have a listen. But the best quote, you set up Steve Davis. Steve would happily sit in his room and play chess or a board game, whereas I'd be out somewhere causing murder. I like to dabble, he liked to scrabble. Yeah, sure. I love that quote. Yeah. I love he, that you quote. know, but honestly, he was so... He was so... Yeah. He, Ronnie says boring. He was, but he was, like, you know, he was unbelievable, switched on. every Everything he'd done, it was all, like, even checking in a hotel, it was all prearranged. Everything was, like, just mad with him. He just used to say, for fuck's sake, love yourself. This is a brilliant one. I don't know if you might have read it, but I, first time I was only 17, uh, had to go on tour with Davis to Thailand. So I get picked up. I'm going to try and cut it as short as I can. Go to Steve Davis' house, he gets in the car, he goes, hello, all right, gets his computer out, doesn't speak to me towards me, get the airport. We check in, still doesn't talk to me, gets in the lounge, gets his laptop out, still doesn't talk to me, get on the plane, 13 hours to Thailand, gets on his computer, like that for 10 hours, get off the plane, in the cab, back on his laptop, get to the air, get to the hotel in Thailand, check in, still hasn't said nothing to me, get to the hotel room, he goes up and over, he goes, right, see you later. That was 20 hours. Right. And I always said, he must be so comfortable in his own yeah, skin. He doesn't yeah, feel yeah. the need to actually yeah. make small conversations. And since that day, I've loved him ever more. Yeah. <laughs> he Total blank me for 20 hours. I'm a 17-year-old, in awe, off the nugget. Yeah, yeah. And he's gone, have some of that. That was one of the best lessons I've ever had. Yeah. So I want to thank you, the nugget, for teaching me how yeah. to be comfortable in my own skin. There was a lot of no, library. 
what's it like to be sat there with like the greatest snooker player of all time uh, with his arm resting on your shoulder? Well, you can imagine uh, I'm freaking out inside, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then just have Jimmy White as well. Like you're like I'm not even hearing what's going on around anymore. I just know Ronnie is leaning on me, and this is cool. Uh, it, was a great, it was the greatest day ever, and just to be sitting between probably my two favorite players of all time. Uh, the full video is on YouTube as well. If you search Jimmy White, Ronnie O'Sullivan, were they the like, oh, "There's a round table over here, and we could all sit down"? And you're like, "No, no, <laughs> let's sit right here." Yeah, yeah. And there was a few people behind, kind of maybe five or six people sitting watching as well. It was like a little audience. I think they were playing up to the audience a little bit as well. Yeah. That mug he held up at the end, little green mug that said "Numpties" on it, right. which was his way of describing the <laughs> the lower down players on the tour that aren't as good as him. Because yeah. uh, there's some events where there's maybe 16 players or, or 32. There's others where there's 128. Yeah. And uh, he, he called some of the lower down players numpties, which he's got in trouble for in the, in the past. But yeah, that was my that was my second moment. It's all good. What else uh, have we got? A bit of a downbeat moment in the last uh, couple of weeks. The, the Chinese snooker stars being suspended amid a, a corruption investigation. So Yan Bingqiao being one of these players, joining a growing list of uh, Chinese players to get suspended by the sports governing body uh, as part of a corruption investigation. So uh, there's, there's accusations of players. So recently, f- five other Chinese players suspended by World Snooker Tour followed the suspension of countryman Liang Wenbo on October 27th. This is on allegations of manipulating matches for betting purposes. So, I mean, snooker is one of the most popular sports in China and there will be, there has never been a world champion from China, but I think that uh, day is, is coming down the tracks sooner rather than later. It was the seventh such suspension against the Chinese player in a matter of weeks on suspicion of manipulating games for the benefit of matches. Doesn't necessarily mean losing matches on purpose. Um, Past cases have involved heavily favoured players accepting money in return for ensuring they lose at least a certain number of frames during a match that they ultimately win against an inferior player. So it could be winning 4-1 as opposed to 4-0. And I've seen some of the videos of of matches where this um, match fixing is alleged to have occurred and it's marginal. Snooker players are so talented they can miss a pot by a, a tiniest of margin and hit the jaws and do it on purpose. Because, you know, they don't just pot a ball. They, they pot the ball into the part of the pocket that they mm-hmm. want to hit to pot it. So uh, it's all a bit suspicious. Um, and look, these suspensions, uh, at least World Snooker have clamped down fairly quickly on it. But yeah, that look, I put it in one of my top moments, but it's certainly a, a darker moment yeah. for, for Snooker over the last year. So the fourth moment is, uh, well, it was a good moment for Irish uh, people because Mark Allen becoming the UK champion uh, rallying from 6-1 down there he is on screen to defeat Ding Jean Wee 10-7 from 6-1 down uh, to win the UK championship final in York as I said it's one of those uh, majors um, Northern Irishman claiming an 8th ranking title 2nd triple crown he won the uh, the 2018 Masters as well uh, taking the winner's cheque of £250,000 his second ranking title of the season he also won the, the Northern Ireland Open this season uh, Mark Allen um, even his semi-final was, was brilliant uh, at that tournament he fought back from 5-3 down to beat Jack Lasowski 6-5 on the final black an epic semi-final and then the comeback skills were on show again in that final against uh, Ding um, and look he's had significant weight loss over the last year or so um, Mark Allen um, it was very apparent if you've seen the old photos of Mark Allen and now he says I did it for my life not just for snooker um, Ronnie O'Sullivan actually helped him a lot Ronnie's a big fitness freak and into his diet and nutrition as well and kind of sat down with him. He was 19 stone, Mark Allen, um, when he competed at the World Championship back in Sheffield in May. But all these lifestyle, lifestyle changes have, have led to him losing a stone upon stone. And it's clearly paying off for him because uh, what, what a, uh, he's had personal problems. He's talked about being in bankruptcy and that sort of thing. So he's really come out the other side and, and playing a really good snooker at the moment. So that was uh, another one of my moments uh, of 2022. Uh, and the final one uh, that I've picked, Adrian, this morning, uh, is Mark Selby. Uh, so he won the English Open there very recently. There he is with this. His, uh, his daughter and his uh, wife, Vicky. Uh, he's had very tough times, um, Mark uh, Selby, over the last while or so. He opened up um, in January about his mental health struggles and how he's really 
um, had, had, had a seriously, seriously tough time. And look, tough times don't last, tough people do. And Mark Selby is a tough, tough person. Um, a drinking game during snooker matches where Mark Selby is involved is the word granite. Every time the word granite is used about Mark Selby, right. take a drink and you'll be fairly well, well oiled by the end of the match. Um, it was his first title in 20 months. He beat Luca Brussel at the English Open. Um, the only player to lift the Davis Trophy twice now with a 9-6 win um, against Luca Brussel. But it, it was more Selby's the story because he played brilliantly well. He welled up as he thanked his wife Vicky afterwards. He said, it's not been easy. Probably the biggest challenge of my life. So coming out here and winning a tournament is incredible, really. I've been suffering for a few years silently. Only Vicky and my family really knew and it's been tough from January trying to get myself back on my feet. And he says, um, there's not enough words he can say about his wife. If it wasn't for her, I definitely wouldn't be stood here today, that's for sure. So Mark Selby, um, I think he's a, is he a three-time, four-time world champion. Uh, but an incredible story to come back from the brink and win his first title in, in 20 months. So definitely one of the, one of the stories. Redemption story. exactly. Before you introduce us to our, our next guest, and we're shifting one, from one of your favourite sports to another one, your main snooker hope for 2023? Oh, Ronnie O'Sullivan to win an eighth. Okay. Uh, he's, he's not confirmed whether he's going to actually... Really? Up and, and do it, he says. Look, does he not say that every year? He does. Yeah, yeah. It's tiring. It's a seventeen-day slog. Uh, so it's not one of those shorter tournaments. Um, but look, he's clearly in the in the right mind frame to win it if he wants to. Mm. If he wants to show up and um, he, the way he's treating snooker at the minute is he he actually prefers doing the punditry work. It seems right. But he's enjoying his, his practice at the moment. Um, I would love to see him do number eight. You're, uh, you you said you were going over some of it. Yeah, I'll probably. I think I'll get over. I was over in 2019 and 20, 2018 and twenty nineteen. The years uh, Williams and Trump won. So, uh, yeah, definitely going to get back over. COVID kind of played havoc with it. Oh, Couldn't yeah. get over for, get a over for the years. final, or what do you think? I'd, I'd love to get over for the, for the final. Whatever the, the press corps will take me You've for. You've gone over and like, oh, I'm oh, covering, yeah. I'm working. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you might get a couple of more interviews like that. Cushy chats, fireside chats with Ronnie. I mean, why not? With yeah. the arm around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they're my, my top um, top five snooker moments of 2022. Very good. On to the darts. On to the darts. And uh, delighted to uh, welcome Jack Langston. Jack is uh, from the darts podcast, former darts referee as well. Morning, Jack, how are things? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Very good. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, I know it's a busy, busy time for yourselves in the darts in the darts game. Uh, how are you enjoying the tournament so far? The uh, the PDC World Championship at, at Ali Palliots. It's it's going quite well. The interest levels are there. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting tournament so far. There's there's not been too many upsets. I think we had our first proper upset last night with James Wade losing, but it's been yeah, it's been not not too bad. Couple of nine dart attempts. So hopefully we get one of them soon. But yeah, it's it's, it's been all right. We usually get nine darters, don't we? In in, in the world snooker champ or the uh, the world darts championship, like it's it's uh, the way I guess the quality level has risen over the years. It's almost now expected. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I mean, back back in the day, it's like ten, fifteen years ago, if you if you got a nine darter, you were extremely lucky to see one. And nowadays, like, there's probably going to be like two or three most 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 big tournaments now in the world championships, especially with with so many games played. There's often a good few few nine dollars. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we get we we, we we get one soon. How did you how did you get into to darts yourself, Jack? I know you were you were a referee on the tour for for a bit as well. Um, like, how did your interest, I guess, kick off? Um, it was just a case of I used to watch my granddad play. He used to have a dartboard in his in his garage, and I used to just watch him play. And then, like one of my earliest memories just of life was watching darts, and it's just one of those things where I just kind of just I just grew up around it. Um, and it just kind of grew and grew and grew to the point where, yeah, this is this is something, something that I want my career to be. So darts is just something that has just always been around and I've just always enjoyed watching and playing and and uh, competing in darts. Did you prefer playing or refereeing? Um, I actually, you know what? I actually prefer refereeing. 
Um, I, I, I'm not the best player in the world, but I would consider myself to be a pretty good referee. So, yeah, I think I think playing against your friends down the pub and stuff is is all good and fun. But when you're a proper darts enthusiast and you get to go and referee for like the best players in the world, I mean, like the most, like the biggest celebrities to me were always dart players. They were like the the biggest names I could ever meet. And then, and then one day you turn up to a to a to a venue and every single player that you know is in the room and you're marking for them. It was just the coolest thing. So I'd actually probably say refereeing. Did you have favourite players growing up? Yeah, yeah. Adrian Lewis has been my favourite since I was probably about 13 or 14 years old. Um, and this, this, it's, it's never changed. Still still my favourite. Not, not not as good as he used to be now, but I, I, I still, I'll, I'll still cheer him on. Do you have you noticed a, an increased interest in the sport over the last number of years? Like, you, like you've got serious numbers on your on your YouTube channel and, and your social media accounts as well. Clearly, the interest levels are there, but it seems like one of those sports that has certainly grown over the last number of years. Yeah, massively. I mean, it's one of those things where when I was at school and stuff, and I was I was playing darts. Like, I had one one friend at school who, or I, I only really knew one person who actually had any interest in darts. And it was kind of like, he'd watch it sometimes because his dad played and that was it. And that, and, and nowadays I would imagine there are a lot of, a lot, a lot of schools will, will, will go back and they'll be talking about who won the world championships. And there's so many teams now as well. I mean, I think when I first started playing, there was like one, one league in our, in our Friday night pub league and maybe about eight, eight teams, and that was it. And nowadays, I think there's about five leagues now. It's just it's just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And obviously, yeah, I guess as far as like the social media goes as well, it just keeps growing. And it's one of the most watched sports on Sky Sports as well. I think it's like number number two. And yeah, it's just I think it's just going to keep going. How do you feel the quality of of the sport has has improved? Because you see, you look at the averages year on year of the PDC World Championships, and uh, it's clearly only going one way. Um, like I'm sure it's linked quite closely to the the increased cash on offer. It's half a million for the winner, so uh, no small change. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, I mean the the amount of money that that you can earn from being a professional dart player now, um, it it may it makes sense to put the time in. I mean, they're like back in the day when when darts was kind of like on TV once or twice a year, and it was like. The standard wasn't as high. The, the the players then was they still had regular jobs. A lot of them, so they weren't they didn't have the time to practice, didn't have the motivation to practice as much as well. Because I mean, it was just kind of like on on TV once a year sometimes, uh, and also um, the, the the equipment has got so much better now than it was back then that you can hit more of treble twenties. You can your darts are staying in the board better. Um, your darts are slightly smaller than they used to be, and there's just so many like new things that I mean 20 20 years ago you'd never even imagine would be in in, in the game of darts and now now yeah it's just it's just growing and growing and the players are getting better and better and yeah it's good 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 to see really 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 fun to watch uh, for this year's edition of the of, of the championship Jack uh, I guess we're over here we're keeping a, a keen eye and close interest on the the Irish players uh, disappointing exit for for Keane Barry disappointing performance generally actually in the, in the first round for him um, we've got Brendan Dolan against uh, Jimmy Hendricks today which should be a, a decent game he's going to have to hit the right chords to win that one it's uh, we're hoping for some Irish interest who, who do you think can can really push on and maybe get get further on to the tournament yeah I think I think the obvious answer is Josh Rock mm. he's he's the He's some. He's the the, not, the fourth favorite to win this tournament, which is absolutely unbelievable for someone who's twenty one world championship debut. Is he a genuine like, contender, is, Jack? Do you think? Huh? Is Josh a genuine contender? Do you believe? 
Um, I think I don't, I don't think his odds back uh, his realistic chances. I don't think I don't think he's the fourth most likely player to to win mm. to win the tournament. But I I definitely think in in the next few years he'll he'll be one of the he could be if he keeps doing what he's doing he could could be one of the uh, one of the the the, the top favourites. I mean the the year he's had is unbelievable for a first time first time tour card holder in their first year twenty one years old like. So yeah, he's definitely he'll definitely be a contender in the future. Um, and I mean the, the the bookies think he's a contender this time. So you know he's 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 definitely he's definitely turning a few heads. That's 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 for sure. I think to be to be so good at an individual sport at, at a young age like twenty one, I'm sure it takes a lot of mental fortitude. Like there's a certain sense of arrogance and cockiness almost from from Josh that you that you probably need to have at the top of the game, Jack. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's definitely it's definitely a, a confidence game. Um, the, you hear Michael Van Gerwen, one of the best players to ever play the game, when he does his interviews, he talks about confidence, and it's just something that, that you need to have. If you if you're not confident up there, it's just not not going to go your way. So, yeah, all of these like big big checkouts and massive celebrations and stuff, you can you can tell when someone's confident. And yeah, Josh is definitely confident, especially after the nine dart he hit a few of. But about a month ago, um, but yeah, he's he's definitely confident, and I, I look forward to seeing how he does for for, for the rest of the tournament. You mentioned uh, Michael Van Gerwen there, Jack. Um, I mean, he was imperious in his in his opening round, winning against Louis Williams, dropping just one leg on the way to that three 0 win. Uh, just how good is he playing right now? Yeah, I mean, Louis didn't play the best. I was a bit bit gutted for him. I I, I really like watching Louis, Louis play, um, but Michael Van Gerwen just did Michael Van Gerwen things. Um, I think most people expected him just to turn up, sort of, because the standard there hadn't been there'd only been like one hundred plus average at that at that point, and he come turned up and hits like hundred and two, hundred and three, something like that might be a little bit higher than that. Um, and yeah, he's he's on good form. He's won three of the biggest tournaments this year. Everyone keeps sort of sort of forgetting about him, but they're sort of finally talking about him this this, this time of year. And um, rightfully, rightfully favourite. He's he's my pick to win this tournament. And uh, yeah, he's, he's he's coming in with some good form. Peter Wright's not playing the best. Um, Michael Smith is just is, is is in good form as well. And so is Price, kind of. So I feel like yeah, I feel like Van Gogh is the, the rightful favourite. And I'd, he's 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 my pick to win this tournament. It's a great match for the fans. Next up, uh, you know, with Van Gogh and playing Raymond Van Barneveld, like. Sounds by what, by what you're saying, you can't see Barney causing an upset, but I mean, he he, he can hopefully make a match out of it at least. Yeah, I I just think, I mean, I've I've had so many people because I'd sort of like live stream when the when the matches are on, and I've mm. so I've so many people saying, "Oh, Barney's going to beat Price um, in the next round," and I I just can't see it happening. But again, like I couldn't see James Wade losing yesterday happening. I was a bit surprised by that. Um, there's been there's been a few games where I've, I've been surprised by by the outcome, and that's just part of the World Championships. Barney is a extremely good big stage player. Um, he might not be as good as as good as Go and Price. I mean, if it was if it was a floor tournament, I'd expect Go and Price to win nine times out of ten, but it's not. It's the World Championships, and uh, you never know. I mean, first of first, it's going to be first of four, first of four sets in that round. Mm. If 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 uh, if if Barney can get a couple of early breaks and stuff, he could go could go two nil up, and then all of a sudden, go and price in a bit of trouble. So, could win. I'm not I'm not backing him to win, but it's it's definitely doable. Yeah, 
it's funny, Jack, they, they, they've seen some controversy. The choice of arrows uh, for certain players seems quite important. Simon Whitlock out of the tournament now, but um, a lot of talk on social media about the how his darts were butchering the board, essentially, and you could see the damage, uh, even on the TV screens, um, what they were doing to the board. But I, I've even heard Wayne Mardle talking about you know, banning Simon Whitlock's darts. Is, that, is, it, is it a controversy that seems to rear its head every now and again? Yeah, so it's been, it's been a talking point for probably the last three or four years now. Um, so they've just swapped this the, this last year. They've just swapped to a different board manufacturer, uh, and before the old the old the old manufacturer was a, a company called Unicorn, and their boards used to get beat up whenever Simon Whitlock would 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 play on them. And the problem is, it's not it's not the it's, it is the darts, but it's it's just the point piece of the dart for, for Simon Whitlock. He uses. I believe he uses a, like a wood file instead of like a regulated regular dart point, which means that when he pulls his darts out of the board, the little fibers of the board sort of come with it a little bit, mm. which is why you get all of the them white little bits of string that looks like they're on they're on the board. And um, yeah, it's just it's just getting to the point now where I think that eventually it's going to start causing a, an opponent to miss. I mean, at the moment it's just it just looks bad, but it's not it's not affecting the 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 play like no one's having more darts fall out the board because Simon Whitlock's kind of like battered the board a little bit um but I think eventually there's going to come a time where it's going to be a longer format game like if he gets to like the semi-final or something I mean he's, he's out of this world championship but mm. if he ever got to like the semi-final and they, they they had to play like 11 sets on the same board and Whitlock's using them points I think eventually it's going to come come to the point where the board surface is unplayable and they're going to have to get get a new board or there's going to be a set or something where his opponent's missing darts or darts are falling out that they normally wouldn't. And um, yeah, I, I do think eventually they're going to have to do something and change change the uh, the rules on the points and stuff because they are just, they're just, they're just too much. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't, it doesn't look good on the board sponsors as far as the PUC goes because their boards, I mean, they've had what, a couple of hundred darts put in them and they, they look like they've they've been they've been played on for years and uh, yeah so i think i think eventually there will be some sort of some sort of regulation come in for points but at the moment there isn't one and it does baffle me a little bit that there isn't one but we'll see mm, watch this space uh, finally jack yeah. um talk to us about ali pali because the, i've never been but the, the pictures on screen at alexandra palace it just looks like an absolutely manic atmosphere uh people on the beer clearly from uh, from early on in the in the morning into the afternoon session and then the evening session You've got the fancy dress, the songs, the walk-ons. What's it like to be there? It just—it must be an incredible atmosphere in a sporting sense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a different atmosphere to a lot of the other tournaments. So because it's the Ali Pali, because it's like the, the 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 main darts tournament of the year, everyone sees it on TV and everyone thinks, oh, I want to go, I want to go and watch that." Um, it's more of a, it's more of like. Um, I don't want to call them casuals, but I'm going to have to call them casuals. It's more of like a casual dart fan experience where the experience isn't all about the darts. It's about having a good time, having fun, and uh, sort of like it's something that you take, you, you go on your like your work Christmas do or something, or or you 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 go with your mates or something. Maybe your mates aren't, aren't interested in darts, but the yeah. So it's a little bit of a different um, different uh, atmosphere to say like the match play, which is more of a more of like a serious dart fan sort of tournament. Um, but it's it's really fun. It is it is it is a good laugh. Everyone's on the beers. Everyone's uh, everyone's chanting and cheering. Um, I think I think there's a there's a, there's a lot of talk about there being too much chanting and cheering. But 
to be completely honest. I mean, it's Christmas, everyone's having fun, and yeah, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But the tournament's a good, it's a very, very, very good, good, good one to go to if you just want to go and have a laugh with your mates or something, or go and experience something that it's a bit, bit out outside the norm. But yeah, it's a good, 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 good venue, good tournament, fun, fun to be there, and it's really, yeah, really good. Hundred percent. It's on my, uh, it's on my bucket list anyway for sure. Jack, uh, you've been great with your time this morning. Thanks a million. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. No problem. Thank you very much. Good stuff, Jack Langston. I was at the darts a couple of years ago. You were at it? Oh, in yeah. Dublin? I mean, the three arena, yeah. World Grand Prix of darts, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was it like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah. But see, it just does not, like... It, the three arena is a different you kind might of well be watching. You could be watching darts, you could be watching the darts been streamed from somewhere else. Mm. Like It's more the, about the atmosphere. You can't, there's nothing you can see, really. It's not like, uh, you're looking at the screen all the time, like you're so far removed Particularly the venue like the Three Arena, you're so far removed from being able to see what's actually happening. All you're doing is looking at the screen. Yeah, yeah, maybe not the best fa- in in person fan experience. Well, sorry for the crack and the fun. I'm sure it's no, that was they was definitely from that point of view. Yeah, yeah. definitely, it's good. Ticks all the boxes. Mm. Um, yeah, from a sporting sense, I guess you know if there's a nine darter or some mad moment. I think Simon Whitlock, who you mentioned there, had a 170 checkout in Dublin at one stage to win a match. That sort of thing. At least you can say you were there. Mm. You know, if something mad happens. I have a question for you. Mm. Would you still have the passion for darts sans the crowd? Oh, that's a great yeah, question. Yeah, because over COVID, the, the World Championship was in front of no crowd. They had the crowd noises and stuff. Um, and you didn't have the madness in the background. But you still get lured in by the match itself. I find myself, you know, even if you're not supporting someone, if you pick someone in a match and you're like, oh, I'm following them. Like there was the, the mullet yesterday, the guy with the mullet. Mm. I mean, Danny Anson. And he's grabbed my attention, I must say. He, and he's been knocked out now, which, which makes me sad. Mullet. But uh, you just put your microphone in the middle of your uh, jumper there. Who said that? Me. <laughs> Some <laughs> I don't see you in Georgia. Live on air production. Uh, no, I think I would. I, I, I love darts for what it is. Mm. Sport in its purest form, up there with uh, with snooker as well. See me and Ronald Garrett. We just we just get it, lads. Yeah. Some some of you don't get it. That's fine. What You'll never we, get it. What are we doing here? <laughs> well, that's a big question. Jeez. Do you ask yourself that, that every that's Friday? A, that's a, a fil- wonderful life moment. I mean, this philosophical question. Yeah. Yeah. What, are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. How many countries have you set foot in? What's where are we going with this one? Like? How many countries have you set foot in? in your well, life? you've asked me this question before you uh, before we came on air. And I, yeah. I said I thought it was about twenty. And? and then I looked at the map, and I figure um, I need. I want. I'm, I will actually go away later on today and come back to you with a definite answer, definitive answer. But I think it's about thirty-seven. That's incredible if you think about it. Thirty-seven. You've set so, foot yeah. in thirty-seven countries. Oh, I'd say I've set foot in more countries just with stopovers and stuff. But I've no, sort of only airports and obviously any time the don't transport count. don't count. You That's have to fine. Set foot so thirty-seven on the land then, of the country. Yeah, thirty-seven, right? Yeah, They're the cold hard land. Yeah. Like, yeah, Airports so. don't count. Uh, admittedly, lads, I have a few years on you, so um, yeah. No, it's still though. That's nearly uh, nearly your age. A country it's for nearly every year. my age. I wish it was nearly nearly my nearly, age, nearly a country the, for every year. Sense, yeah. Well, for example, I would love to put Singapore on my list, but I can't because I was only in the airport. And the same yeah. for Ethiopia. Yeah, only in the airport. So I can't really count it. What's what's your number? I I think it's seventeen only, mm. and I really thought I had been to lot. At the same time, that's kind that's a fair bit. At the same time, it's not like, bad. It's, it's not bad, you know. Yeah, it's right. not bad now. No, no, it's decent. What's Jen? the most niche country that you sorry? Just before I get on to say, what's the most niche con- niche country? That is a niche country. You know, it's a small country or a country that you wouldn't typically travel to. One wouldn't. Mm, I would say maybe Cuba. 
Oh yeah, people do, do do travel there. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Maldives would be another one. Like these are all, they're obviously touristy Maldi- places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Cuba's meant to be fascinating. Cuba at that time was incredible because yeah. it was before. Uh, there was at some point after we were there, there was a lot of rumors about Castro and yeah. is he still alive? Has he? Maybe he's just maybe he's left us. And maybe. the brother, the brother was sort of in quasi uh, power. Raúl. Raúl. Mm. Come on, Shane. And. Uh, so there were sort of a lot not the Real Madrid striker. Yeah, I was going to say. Then they were, they were, um, they were sort of like there was a bit of a bit of advertising was starting to slip into because you, you go out there and you would walk. That's one of the joys, certainly at that time, of walking around Cuba that you wouldn't see an ad like yeah. just just was not none of this commercialism, none of these like high streets where you see all the regular shops. Mm. That was one of the big. Is there many big charms of the place? Is there a love of boxing? Obvious when you're there, or is it just a hidden aspect? No, I think if you, I did certainly didn't go looking for it, and. Right. Um, I'm sure if you went looking for it, you'd find it. But just, um, yeah, really, like, you know, there's so many countries that you would go to that aren't, don't really feel like a culture shock no, because yeah. it feels like, you know, um, even places like, let's say, Hong Kong or men like China to a lesser degree, but Western Cuba influence. is definitely a place where you go. It's a bit like Inish Boffin. You go, wow, this is like, it's a very different yeah. experience. That's the thing I don't think, well, maybe Cuba might be like that or some countries in Africa. Um, potentially, but I don't think for like my generation that's ever going to be quite the same kind of culture shock that would have been even ten or twenty years ago. Mm. My aunt went to Japan um, when she was around my age, and this was like back in the late nineties. And she said, "When you get off the plane, everything is just so like there's no, you've no reference point yeah. really. You were just landed in this place, and it, everything just seems so alien." Mm. You're out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Mm. JP Wright there in the comments has mentioned that baseball is massive in Cuba. Did you get that sense? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can certainly, you can tell that it is, that it's a big thing. Like, it's a weird sort of dichotomy over there with yeah. the fact that there's such tension between themselves and the US. It's crazy. And yet baseball is such an amazing sport. Yeah. And there's like, when you start to read up and um, look at the stuff about, like, the way the regime has treated people who've tried to escape the country and stuff like that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of romanticism about Cuba, and then there's another side to it that's uh, quite grim on a level. Mm. This all started because Saint Hannon was leaving the uh, office yesterday, and he had just had that look, of, like ask me questions about myself. Oh, well, did I have that look? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I said, uh, I was like, it's a very vain look. Yeah, no, but it was welcoming. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you're a man of the world. I would, I would describe. Not, and then not I was as much as Adrian Barry, but the same. Yeah, you would really surprise me. I have years. I have years on you. Let's you're big on that. But that I've done. Mean you can do nothing with your ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should give yourself more credit. It's true. I've done twenty of the forty-four European countries I've I worked out, and then you have USA, Canada, Tanzania, on top of that. I haven't been, like, that's only 20, 23, 24. You need probably, to get outside it? Europe, is what I'm hearing. Essentially. Although I've done a lot of USA travelling. Yeah. So I've done a lot yeah. of states. Is this, is this a quality, not quantity thing? Like, the yeah. more niche you can go. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Work would have taken me to a lot of countries mm. with coverage of football. Yeah. This one? This job? Yeah. With football and stuff, yeah. yeah. A lot of the Eastern yeah. European countries that I might not necessarily have been to otherwise. Say Tanzania. Probably eight or ten. That's good Tanzania is my niche one. Yeah. Did, I, did I ever tell you about the time I... Climb Mount Kilimanjaro, the <laughs> oh. tallest, tallest freestanding mountain in the world. It's one of the seven summits. Wow. Um, highest mountain in Africa. 5,895 metres. 19,341 feet if you want to go by that metric. But uh, did I ever... Did I, I think there's more GMAC in you than... Yeah. Than you than GMAC. Well, <laughs> you know, when you're actually la- layering it on, I think that actually a lot of that comes quite naturally. There's so many mountains to I'm choose a, from. I'm but just a climbing kind of guy. Someone, I'm just a climbing kind of guy, I don't know. But someone commented the other day after I did a little uh, GMAC part and they said, 
uh, Shane's GMAC bit is just him talking in his own accent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I, that's. Don't know if I was offended or, or I was definitely offended. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are there are so many mountains to choose from, and and I chose that one. And, <laughs> there's so many mountains. There's the McGillicuddy Rigs. Yeah, yeah, Everest. Yeah, <laughs> we just yeah. name off twenty mountains. Charn Two Hill, as you guys like to call it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so that's probably my niche. That's my niche country. I'd say Tanzania. It's not very niche. A lot of Irish people do Tanzania, and they do Kilimanjaro. So, ah, well, that's alone. What's a niche country anymore? What's, how many countries is Cameron? Oh, it's it's a, it's in the single figures, unfortunately. Single figures. I've never been outside of Europe. What? But you've yeah. lived in France, I suppose. You lived in France, you're fluent. So, yeah, so France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Switzerland. I was in Andorra. That was weird. Ah, that's niche. Oh, I never even counted. That's another one. Oh, yeah. Jesus. And, uh, yeah, Andorra's a weird one. Went to, uh, went to Andorra. No, we were travelling around um, uh, southern France, northern Spain, and we went to Andorra, mm. and we didn't really know what we were doing there, but we rented a car, and we went up through the mountains and on into it, and there was, um, myself and my wife uh, landed into this um, spa area, and there was like a really sort of cold... Uh, spot on it like it was a cold uh, shallow cold water mm. yeah. and you were supposed to go and immerse yourself in it for a short period of time and then get the hell out of Dodge be great for you but the competitive side of me came out and I said okay who can last longest oh. in, the, uh, in the cold thing hypothermia waiting to so, happen so th- <laughs> what happened was uh, we both sort of took turns and then uh, I think my wife outdid me the first time so I said okay I've got to go back in again and then I outdid her and then we ended up having to stay for an extra two days because we both came down with the flu ah uh, yeah have you ever heard of Wim Hof? Yeah, the Wim Hof method. Wim Hof yeah. method. I mean, a lot of people swear by it. Go on. Immersing yourself in cold water uh, every morning for your supposed to have a lot of benefits. Yeah. You do it uh, I ten do, minutes uh, in the shower? I, no, five minutes. No, two minutes. One, two, I, I can't do, stand. I do one minute water. of full on cold shower after my shower. I see. That, that's, that's a smart thing to do. Very, I think. very good for. I tried to do it. I, I've got into the habit of doing it to the point where I feel. At the start, it's like, oh, this is going to be torture, and you're sort of like, reg- you know, uh, yeah. regretful about having made this decision in your life. And mm. then now I've just got to the place where if I don't do it, I'm, I'm sort of half looking forward to it. It's actually yeah, quite it's, nice. It's, it's like the remember, remember cryotherapy was a huge thing yeah, in like yeah. the mm. early tens. It's like the next big thing in sport, and now it's just. Yeah, you know, I sometimes whatever. do it. No, there's, there's places up in after a, a big match. If your legs are sore the next day, you'll you'll hop into the ice bath and the, the cryo the cryo thing where you dip your legs in and. Mm. See how far down you can get. That's I'm putting cryotherapy in with. Remember those little fish that nibble. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they, they have to get rid of those. When but I think to be fair, the cryotherapy you can't position it as something that people were just looking to do. Like the Vim Hof method is looks. I I'm actually to be fair to cryotherapy. To be fair to cryotherapy, <laughs> um, I'm there's definitely a part of me that's looking at that stuff going. I might get an old uh, ice bath for the backyard. Yeah, or it's just a bin filled with ice. That's all it is. Yeah. One country bucket list top of which is it? Oh. Um. That goes through Japan there easily. Oh, that you haven't been to. Yeah, that I haven't been to. Oh, your it was yeah, your aunt. Your, was your aunt. Mm. Yeah, my aunt. Ah, yes, sorry, yeah. yeah. Oh, Japan. Okay, Japan. Hands right, I'm down. Having that. I'm having India. that. India. Yeah, my 100%. sister went there. As far as yeah. Yeah. I think as far as that. I think that that would be the totally out of your comfort zone experience. Uh, experience for. where and like getting getting away from Delhi and getting away from I think a lot of areas that might actually be like the high street in London. Mm. Oh. That's a very good one. Uh, Nepal, probably. I want to do Everest Base Camp. You like climbing? Yeah. Uh, did I talk about that yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, Morocco, Morocco is probably a closer by one than I'd love. Now, I'd yeah, a month ago, would you have said that? Or because they're no, in the I, news? Would, I always wanted to... Now, Marrakesh, I don't know if it's probably quite touristy, but uh, there's parts of Morocco I think that are supposed to be quite... Is it the Atlas Mountains? I've been yeah. to... Um, Sorry, to continue the mountain thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was um, like, um, I've been Peru. to the Atlas Mountains and uh, um, Marrakesh. Really accessible as well. Right. Really accessible. Really. And it's direct flights, highly it? recommended. Yeah. I think we might have 
flown from via Spain, possibly, right. but um, really accessible. We we it, it, Marrakesh like that that is a culture shock now. That's that's definitely yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. Um, can you drink over there? Or is it, is yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, no bother. Yeah, um, we went up into the Atlas Mountains, and as I like to say to my wife, this family invited us in for lunch. We had um, um, the thing, the the not tandoori, their equivalent of the tandoori. You know the thing you get in the little dish with the thing. I look it up in a second. Mm. Um, we'll have no help there. What's it called? Um, they invited us in for lunch, and it was like an amazing lunch. You know, chicken. Blah, blah, blah. We, we we were tagine, go mad, Jojo. Well done. Um, <laughs> we. Jojo we paid for a tour of the Atlas Mountains. This was part of the tour, but as I like to say, they invited Actually. us in for lunch. Class. Um, it was very good. So you'd recommend Morocco. Recommend Morocco. That's Morocco good. Shane, yeah. right. Cameron Hill, producer Cameron. Yes. Have you set foot in every county in Ireland? No, I have not. Oh, how many have you not? How many have you? Put on the spot. By the sounds of it. Right. I think this is a reflection of Mayo generally. Cameron's I've never been to Kerry. Which is what? Outrageous. What? Now that is that is yeah. mental. Clip that. That's that is mental. Never been to carry. Elaborate there so we can get some more seconds out of it. That's possible to go to for Mayo. Ah, it, ah, it's at the same side of the country. Just go down. Ah, it's a fair. That like, is ridiculous. Wild Atlantic Way. Have you done? So you haven't done the Wild Atlantic Way? No, not yet. No. Michaeli Cully Reeks. Shane's just going to keep shouting. He sure does. Adrian's googling Ireland there. Googling how far it's not far and. That's mad. That is yeah. mad. Have yeah. you been? Have you been to Cork? Oh, definitely. Sure. Yeah. Have you been to Monaghan? Yes. Are we just going to yes. do? Have uh, you been to Westmead? Have you been to? Have you been to? Have you been? To? <laughs> no, I just want to know how many. Yeah, you've I've gone. been to Westmead. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Agent Barry, same question. Have you set foot in all thirty-two counties? It's three and a half hours. You were driving. Yeah, that's no. That's nothing. That's all right. I, I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no further. I have. No further conversation. <clears throat> what was the last of the thirty-two? Because yeah, because because Shane knows uh, his. I've no idea. Probably, I don't think I don't think Adrian was like driving in. It's like finally. Well, no, Shane exactly. knew. Finally. Shane knew. I was. Yeah, Shane yeah. knew. Probably it could have been um, Antrim, possibly. Really, Bel- you had never been to Belfast up until that point. Um, no, probably would have been Antrim. I'd say. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Right. And um, so we know that Shane. Or I've given away that Shane has set foot in all thirty-two. But guess, guess you. What county Shane set foot in last of the 32? This shocked me. It's not Monaghan. The final county that Shane went to. Why would this shock him? It's with the west, so it probably isn't that. He's close enough up around the north, Donegal, surely any of them. He's a cultured man. It's going to shock you. I'm going to have to say cultured man. So Cork. Yeah. <laughs> that is mental. It was during the summer. Yeah, West Cork. Or, with, with my sister Rachel was doing a gig in Mitchellstown. Um... Festival, what's the festival called? I can't remember. I'll, I'll think of Mitchellstown uh, Summer Festival, probably. No, it's a, it's a music, it's a music festival. Independence, and um, uh, then we we spent a week doing a road trip down through West Cork, and it was unbelievable. Clonakilty, Skibs, Skull, West Cork. I find the rest of Cork you can forget about. We went uh, to Cork City as well. Cork. I like, yeah, yeah, I like yeah. Cork. Oh, you have two options. That's uh, the beauty of Cork. There's something for everyone. And sorry, it was a real. It was a real. We did a, a walking tour. There was a Republican walking tour in Cove that we did, which was amazing. Mm. And then we did we went out to the Michael Collins ambush site in Bain and Blanc and Kill Michael ambush site. And it was a real historical element to the whole court trip. Spy, I couldn't uh, believe it. Spike Island and what's the place? Cove, of course, and yeah, all yeah, the yeah. Titanic yeah. stuff. That yeah, yeah. yeah, we did that as well. Yeah. Um, um, Spectre Corps has never been to the north. You, know, this is, this is, you find out about uh, there are, there are, I'm sure there are people. You just find out about this. Now, uh, Shane, I have another one for you. Sorry, there was a moment that my sister famously said uh, when she uh, set foot in uh, Maynooth College for the first time, um, she was sitting in her class and there was a girl, real D4, um, not a stereotype here at all, but uh, the girl asked her... Oh, you've her, just done that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've gone too far. <laughs> uh, and the girl sat down beside my sister and was like, 
where are you from? And um, Laura was like, uh, Monaghan. She was like, oh, oh my God, is that me? <laughs> Just leave that there. She and was, one, was that girl from Leitrim? No, she was in D4. Oh, four, sorry. Yeah, and no, she no, thought Monaghan was, was a part of me. <laughs> so uh, that's how... Yeah, that's how that's forgotten we can be sometimes. That's tragic. Monaghan is more is more than just a pit stop on the way to Donegal. Well, speaking of, why is Monaghan bus station the worst place ever? It's purgatory, honestly. And and look, no offense to the people who run Monaghan bus station, but it's generally um, those places tend to be a reflection of the. Of the no, it's absolutely not. That they're, Ask that they're Johnny really Ward. Johnny Ward last summer stopped off in Monaghan bus station, and, and look, he uh, he asked me for some recommendations of places to go. Told him within walking distance where to go, and he loved his time in Monaghan town. Mm-hmm. Um, Monaghan bus station. I'm not one for hyperbole or exaggerating, but um, it's the worst place on planet Earth. Okay. Uh, just grim. Just really if grim. it's raining when you come into Monaghan and you pull up in Monaghan bus station, you would, you would honestly think you'd come into a dark realm. Is that not bus stations, though? Yeah, it is. I find it, like is. Bus, it is. Bus stations, because that's it the is. point. Yeah. It is the most depressing form of. But can you, t- but can you, can are, you challenge that? Because they are a reflection. Yeah, they are a reflection of the yeah. town they're in. Like if you not, go to, if you go to like uh, you know Bilbao or somewhere, it'll be this like Gaudi inspired. They are. They do no, tend to reflect the, the town they're Budapest in. Budapest train station is grim as well, but uh, I love the city. Yeah, you know, there, Mon- but there are shades of like the the curtain over Budapest, and I'd say there's probably shades of the curtain over Monaghan. Uh, no, I think I, think I don't think anyone puts effort in. If anyone's going to a place for the bus station, you really need exactly. to. Really it's, not, it's not that you're going there for the bus station, but if that's the welcoming point, it should be like not the grimmest place on earth. But I, I, I know you want to get out of there. We haven't got to the crux, so Cameron, I think, correctly challenged. Sure, every bus station yeah, is a grim. So why does Monaghan stand out? Uh, the, the lack, the lack of snacks, the lack of things to do when you get off to stretch the legs. Um, just all looks a little bit um, Soviet block 1980s mm. um, there's a little bit of those vibes off it yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah but I think the rest of Monaghan makes the up for it oh, oh. okay I'm moving along um, if you could be fluent in one language beyond English Oof. what would you be fluent in? Spanish all day long well, we already have a, yeah. are you fluent in French? Uh, I was conversational like it, it kind of go it, it's like um, it's like not going to a gym for a week it's amazing how even just the space of two weeks you lose a good bit of French. Like if I was going back and over to um, France as it was this year, when you go back over, it's like, oh, there's two or three days where you have to get back into the swing of it. When you come home, do you find yourself like Joey Barton talking English in a French <laughs> accent? Yeah, yeah, I do, of course. Do um, you do this? Yes. Uh, I go around to, Mum, uh, how you say, uh, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> At the airport, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a, uh, oh, what's your word? Come on, a good time? <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't use the French phrase, though, that's the only thing. No. You do have the glazed look when you do it, too. You get really into character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but I'm, I've had conversations with people about this. You have a different personality uh, in- when you have a different accent. I have yeah. a friend who's, like, really soft-spoken in English, and then he's half Italian so when he speaks Italian it's everything yeah. he gives it the full shebang but mm. it, that's the same when you coach your, like when I have a meal at home in Monaghan now driving home for Christmas today and I have a meal with my friends in, in Monaghan and you, you lads wouldn't if you heard me talking to my friends this evening you probably wouldn't know what I was saying you yeah, see so you don't think you have a strong accent and all the rest of us are going what did you say there was that yeah yeah there was the, the time we were on stage at Electric Picnic and uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we landed out myself Adrian Nathan and Jer uh, in September and Walked out and I I said something and I I obviously knew what I said and hopefully most of the audience <laughs> members who were present knew what I said and Adrian just looked at me with a, a vacant stare and he was like what did you just say <laughs> didn't have a clue what I had just I said forgotten but like that was one of the highlights of the year wasn't it that was brilliant remember your man who walked in halfway through he was like he was from somewhere around about we were talking about what were who we are you about? 
He was he was not a, he didn't know what he'd walked into. He'd from leash. I think yeah. he was uh, Courtney and what are they called? Brendan Courtney oh, and God. and uh, Lennon. Courtney and Lennon yeah. were coming on after after right. a sort of fashion podcast. Mm. And maybe he was in for that. He wasn't in for us and he was not up for us. No. And he was abusing the hell out of us. He just shouted from the back of the room, "Who are you?" Yeah. And his big leash axe and we were like yeah. Well, well, uh, he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. Was very good for him. It was a Ronan Keating lookalike as well. We How many countries have you been to? Why are you not answering these questions yourself? I'm answering the one posing them. I, I want to hear from you. Like. Counties? Huh? What counties? What uh, counties? I think I don't think I don't think I've been to Fermanagh. You haven't been to Monaghan? Monaghan, yeah, I haven't been to Monaghan, right? That is crazy. Ah, here, the return leg. Shane Hannan, come on, Dean Wilson, and R. Larmer. Not happy. The I don't think I have. And actually, I'm a bit like Spectacor here, who, by the way, has clarified that he has been to Donny Cobb, but just not the rest of the north. Urn section of the country. Northern, yeah. Um, Northern. I, I would say uh, <laughs> I've been to. Shane always I've hints at these things. Derry. He, he corrects you on your on your oh, terminology. Does, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the occupied territory, let's call it. Yeah, yeah. Derry. Well, you're not including down. Northern Ireland as one of your countries, I'd imagine. It's just you've been to Ireland. <laughs> oh no, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that, that was kind of said. That's up to 30, 38 now. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that was said in the office yesterday, and there's kind of a bit of silence afterwards as everyone let that comment slide. Was like, yeah, okay. I think that's crazy. This conversation, us being flippant about this conversation as the uh, as all the capacity to result in no, I, I'm not at all. I'm trying to avoid it to be honest with you but uh, so you're saying uh, you, are, you are French fluent we'll put it down what, what's your language that you'd like to be fluent in I would go for Cantonese mm. Cantonese oh, that would be incredibly useful yeah it'd be very useful for me because my well, in-laws are um, Chinese ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, right. do you know any can any, you pick up anything any, no any, anything. Uh, few, few little bits and pieces that's tough that's a tough language to learn it's a more understanding or talking oh sorry uh, no 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 I'd have no capacity to get I've like I've like three year old sort of know how to talk about no certain words for certain things and that's yeah. it like. so you sometimes know what they'll have said to you or have uh, said mostly you not no okay, mostly right, right, wouldn't right. have a clue no, no, mostly wouldn't have a clue, and it's also a language that's spoken so quickly. It's the most spoken language in the world, isn't it? Having a clue, is I it? think. It, I think it's fast. The Mandarin. It's not like uh, I. I don't. Sorry, personally, don't find it a language that if you've got a basic grasp of it. Sorry, I don't have a basic grasp. But I've got like about ten words, mm. but I've no ability to pick those words up generally in a conversation. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, that's it's how tough, tough it is. Well, look, it all stems from me. I'm interested by this anyway, but also. We're like a disgrace in Ireland in that we must have the the lowest grasp of our own national language versus yeah. other countries, and like it's just not widely spoken enough. It's a fair point. Tupafuckle here and there. Like, what's your is that your response to the question then? No, but I, I it actually stemmed from that. Is that I think like maybe is Welsh I'd change my answer to, to Irish from from Scottish. Uh, yeah, I'd yeah. like to learn Irish. Is yeah. Welsh is Welsh spoken in Wales? Other than that, every other oh, country, yeah. and I would be yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, other than oh, that, right. I think we have a disgraceful lack of. Um, yeah. Respect for our own language, like agreed. Yeah, give or take, obviously certain sections of the country. Which that's that's bedded into us, though. I think it is. It's the way it's taught in school, isn't it? I mean, it's a whole. Different, I, d- a whole I think that's thing. too, and I also think it's too. You're you're abstaining yourself from any responsibility. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's an easy. It's, it's an easy exit yeah. clause because you could, if you yeah. wanted to, you could just go and. But it's on me. But it's also on everyone. It's on everyone because nobody does it. But I think collectively we all go. Ah, education wasn't great, and I would. I would definitely have fallen into that category yeah. I think if you want to learn Irish go and learn it yeah but it's more that you don't need it isn't it because it's useful to have Cantonese and French and uh, Spanish yeah. that you yeah. like, so yeah, you like yeah there's a lot of um, you've got to get your finger out and do it yourself but yeah, I, but like, what, where's the motivation well I have friends who like one of my really good friends is doing her PhD in um, early Irish poetry and she's fluent in Irish nice. and she will have a lot of events in Conra on Harcourt Street Yeah, and they are great crack and you really get the bug when you're in there yeah, 
But, um, um, Ken out in the box there has a uh, good grasp of Irish. I've football. heard him on a few podcasts good and man. he's nodding away there. And I'm um, listening to Maura Chassis, it's the dream like. What's your answer? Uh, Spanish as well. Right. Definitely, yeah. Spanish. Oh, yeah, forget about the 100% Irish. 100% Spanish. Now that we get no, it is, it's Spanish. It's a pity that we don't love, have Irish, love, but love, Spanish will be my answer. Love. Can you speak any other Spanish. language? No, I just have a good phrase for I'm hungover, which I learned in Australia of all places. In Spanish? Yeah. What is it? No me gusta, yo tengo razaca. No me gusta, yo tengo I don't like razaca. it, I'm hungover. Oh, yeah. And also, I'd be in the box every day with Jojo and just marvel at it. It's ability to go from Portuguese to English. I don't like it, I'm hungover. I don't like it, my current state. I'm hungover. Obrigado. Obrigado. Um, that's so all, I like all that. Now, I'm just Obrigado. before we move. Uh, it's like Duolingo up, here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> really crap up, Duolingo, yeah. To finish up, right, I'll, let's make it festive, okay. right? You might not be into consumerism, I don't think you are. <laughs> What's the best Christmas present you ever received? Oh, received? Yeah. I'm not the man for receiving. I love giving. What an answer. I'd be in I, a dream I love it. I really, French. Uh, I'm really like bad receiving. at uh, We have an ongoing gag at home where no matter what I get I'm, I have to fake a response oh, I'm the I same. have no ability Absolutely. to yeah, be the same. Even, even if I really like the and gift if you, yeah. even if you like it you'd still be the same I, hate I just react. can't yeah, yeah. it's tough it's a tough gig oh thank you oh, look, that's right but you could that's like right. it you could actually, actually like could it like it's yeah. the awkwardness of the whole charade the yeah, gift I ever got was a blue Enic racer bike when I was about okay, that's 12 brilliant answer. that's an, exactly what I'm looking for incredible brilliant bike that I can still I can still draw you a vivid picture right now that's class I love that Class. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles truck Right. Nice. Oh, brilliant. Never, I don't know where it is. I'd lo- if it's anywhere now, I'd love to find it. Billy, yeah. dig it out. Billy, ma'am. That's a great one. Go on. I'd probably have a, a little yeah, green and yellow John Deere tractor that included the the trailer and a few little farm animals that you put into the back of it. Mm. And we used to, I used to, Dad would be mowing the lawn and I'd be going along with him and throwing a bit of grass in the back and dumping it out the back. And I wasn't even a... A, a bog man, I, like I was a tiny. I'm a tiny back in Monaghan. I'm from Monaghan town, so uh, the, the whole world. Culture everywhere else. Just culture uh, everywhere else. Down, so the whole slicker at home. Yeah, the whole world of, of <laughs> tractors was not something that I was into. And still, uh, look, I'm not into tractors. And Mar- Marty Moans hit the diff. I'll throw it on secretly in the car home the odd time. But uh, it wouldn't be our wagon wheel. Darius Rucker's version of. You said of, I'm not into tractors. Like it was an official statement. Yeah, yeah. He had to deny something. Massey Ferguson's hay. I'm telling you the difference between a John Deere and a Massey. Oh, I could, I could. Yeah, I'm not that bad. And Cameron. Um... I honestly don't know. Most memorable. I, I, Who got I, you that top? Um, I got this myself. Oh, uh, that's tragic. Gifted yourself? Yeah, gifted myself a little treat. Um, I tell you about the best present I ever gave. To oh, yeah, here we about go. About that. Um, and it's not, it's not really a Christmas present, but um, I got an immense sense of satisfaction out of it. So we had a teacher in school. You know, you have your favourite teacher. Of course. Um, he was our maths teacher. We had him from second year all the way. What's his name? End. Come on. Um, his out. name's Paul McCormick. Paul, if you're just disrespected all the other teachers. Yeah, that's know. terrible. Ah, they you fell, you're, 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 young enough, you're young enough for all those teachers still to be actively teaching. Oh, yeah, I can't go back there for another 10 years. The grammar up in Sligo. <laughs> grammar in Sligo. Um, Are you not from AO? I, I um, oh, you were farmed uh, out to a better school. Oh, the parents wanted to get rid of me. Right. So they were like, up you go, six yeah. years. Kathleen and Cameron were very nearby. Was it a boarding school? Yes. All oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Was some like stories I was thought there was like something sort of a... <laughs> go on, sorry. Anyway, so uh, we love this teacher and he would always talk about how good Casio calculators were for graphing. He would always talk like they just have an edge over the rest and he would bring it up in class and go, oh yeah, uh, the Casio, if you have this, you can graph this here. To the point where in fifth year, I asked him, sir, are you on the take with Casio? Because you just subtly bring this up every so often. And he loved that. And then for the rest of the year, kept going. Now, the Casio, and knowingly looking at me and smiling and doing a kind of the real bullseye prize moment where they go, "Eh, there you go. 
Um, so when it came to getting gifts for thank you for six years of putting up with our nonsense, um, I was like, oh, I know what we get him. Get him a letter from Casio thanking him for <laughs> being an unofficial salesperson for, us <laughs> for the last 20 years. Uh, we got it framed, handed it to him, handed it to him. He was very, very thankful. I think it's still in his room hanging up, but he doesn't believe it's real. But it is real. We That's wrote to him and they sent. They were like, dear Paul, thank you so much for your years of dedicated <laughs> service to the brand. Fantastic. And I was chuffed as chips when I gave it to him. Unreal. That's lovely. Yeah. That's a nice one. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah. But it's just awesome. It's not like that. Christmas, but actually, sort of. Yeah. Also, um, speaking of calculators, I actually, there's no way we can top that. But just a good one for you for calculators. You can write Buig in calculators. (laughs) What would the number be? At 914 this morning, I think that's the jumping off point. What would the number be? It's going to be for the afternoon. If you turn it upside down, it spells Buig. Okay, it's after hours. Think about it. 614008. Brilliant. And that's why we got him in. Sponsored right. by Casio. Now, did you enjoy yeah. that? Can't do it on Casio. They have Live a segment. Each morning by Gillette Arabic. Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Did you? This is my. Uh, huh? Did you enjoy that? That last bit, not so much, but up to so that. Other than it was fine, it? pointless. And, uh, well, look, it's I mean, Christmas. it's Christmas, yeah. you know, and I hope that the commenters and listeners understand that we're just having a little Christmas fun. They don't yeah. do nuance, though, you see that? You, you, they do you nuance. Know that. I want to take that spectacle. Yeah. I think people enjoy these conversations that are a bit more laid back. I think back so. Yeah. I think so. Uns- unscripted. And it suits us. Yeah. Anyway, we're going back to the sport now. There's no problem. Right, quarter past nine. We can all breathe again. Colm. And uh, Cameron, thanks a million for coming. We didn't even reintroduce you, you just appeared in studios. Magic. Someone manifested, someone wished it into existence online. Great present. Make all our viewers happy and just disappear again. That'd be uh, be great. Uh, Up next, Alan Quinlan. We are getting back to the sport. We're going to give us his uh, top rugby moments of the year. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 17 minutes past 9 OTB AM and uh, we have more still to come quick uh, look at what's happening across the back pages not a comprehensive sweep by any means but here's a bit of a flavour of what's going on the Irish Daily Star to begin with head ache for cop Nathan Strike dumps uh, Reds out of the League Cup Nathan Ackie uh, with the goal last night City beating Liverpool 3-2 that's a stretch uh, like it's Nathan Ackie so head it's not head Ackie uh, see they're not really meant to be read out is the thing head ache do you know well they're not meant to be read out no in your head, like in your head, <laughs> read it in your head. Uh, um, yeah, it, it, it's okay. I'll give the star five out of ten. Uh, the Irish Examiner has rhythm and blues. You might rather that one a little bit better. City one, Edge, yeah. Liverpool, and pulsating cup thriller. Um, it really was a brilliant game, and it probably if the World Cup hadn't have been on, mm. would have been just one of those fixtures where it, probably both of them would have been feeling second string teams, but trying to get a bit of freshness back into a lot of players um, is what's happened there. And Ronald Agar's column inside the necessity to speak with your eyes and ears is the non value of non verbal uh, communication. Um, Aki Christmas. This is crap. I, I'm having that achy Christmas. No. Are they Not trying to say achy Christmas is in happy Christmas? Oh, achy Christmas, okay. That's terrible. Achy Christmas. Yeah, achy what did you think it was? Achy Christmas. Achy, shaky Christmas? I have no idea. That's <sighs> me. Not better City guess. edge out reds and football feast and uh, Garrigan hits out an upsetting tweet by Shells is the story of uh, Jess Garrigan who's moved from Shelburne to Shamrock Grovers and uh, the Shelburne tweet that went out uh, during the week um, that's subsequently been deleted uh, which was... Um, through, uh, though cowards flinch and traitors sneer we'll keep the red flag flying here this is in relation to Shamrock Rovers obviously picking up a lot of their players it's a former trade union slogan but uh, there's been plenty of fallout from that and I'm sure more to come 19 minutes past 9 Alan Quinlan good morning to you 
Morning, lads. How are you? Lo- uh, good. Loads to get through and 11 minutes to do it, so we'll get straight into oh, it with the games uh, to begin with, if you don't mind. Ulster, Connacht, um, and Connacht naming a very strong 15 for this one. Ulster obviously back after that sublime half um, in Europe. Hard one to call or what way are you feeling? Yeah, it is. Um, they've had a tough couple of weeks, haven't they, Ulster? Um, given, you know, a couple of weeks ago where they were at half time against Leinster, all looking good. Um, big uh, psychological boost uh, about to happen with them beating Leinster in, in, in the RDS. And then, you know, Leinster responded and were brilliant in that second half. And obviously going to sail. Um, you know they were desperate there, really poor, and 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 the first half against La Rochelle last week. So um, they've had no break with the travel and uh, obviously going getting over to sail on the Sunday morning. Then the the La Rochelle game being moved down to Dublin, but um, they're a better team than that, and we've said it. But there's a, a psychological scar that's left after these, and and they're on the road again, which is tricky for them they're, they're, they're going to the sports ground against a very strong Connacht side tonight who have all their internationals back and um, so that's going to be a really tough one for, for them and uh, the kind of pressure mounts up a little bit no home comforts for them Yeah and Connacht desperate for the win as well to get themselves back into the reckoning in Europe Doak at 10 as well for Ulster we'll have to keep an eye on that Munster Ulster as um, always a bit of interest here Quinny 21 points between them in the table both on the back of wins in Europe and I saw Mike Prendergast during the week saying that there's no mental hang up uh, for Munster when they're playing Leinster the record isn't great is he right? Um, the record is, is is dreadful really the last um Nine league games, Munster have lost. You know, one, two semi-finals, one final, and six league games. So um, there is a, a Rainbow Cup win in there for for mm. for Munster last May, twelve months. But um, it's very difficult. Um, everybody, I think, who plays Leinster, um, you've got to be, you've got to get a huge part of your game right for 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 eighty minutes. You can't switch off. Um and and they kind of proved that again a few weeks ago and that, that Ulster victory when, you know, if you're in a situation twenty two, three up at half time, you think you're gonna see it home. There's always going to be a response from the opposition. But Lenser just reminded everyone again and, and what what they've done in Europe, that that performance over in Racing. We we don't know the teams yet, obviously. Um I think what Munster will probably um, not not lose too many, um, and I think they've shown, um, I suppose, big improvements in their performance in the last couple of weeks. They still have issues around their discipline and and probably some of their execution last week, turning the ball over. But you know, we know Leinster can make lots of changes and still have a very powerful, strong side. And, and Leo Cullen has got that right in the last number of years in this fixture and picking guys who uh, are probably hungry and disappointed and frustrated that they're not starting for Leinster in, in the big European games. And they seem to perform. And getting that balance right has been easier for him than, than most other coaches because of the quality he has. So, um, yeah, Leinster's, uh, I think it's 2018-19 season was the last time I worked for that game. I did a commentary down in Tolman Park, Munster won 26 17. Um, it's a long time and it shows how strong Leinster have been. But it also shows that Munster, you know, were, were stuck in a rut and uh, <clears throat> not good enough to win, win those games. Some of them were very, very disappointing. But there I say, there's a little bit of optimism and, and hope for this one that um, 
if I keep if people keep saying that you know Munster will finally win one, eventually they will anyway. That's that's going to happen at some stage. But mm. this is a perfect opportunity for Munster given the last number of weeks and and some positivity back in the club. That's uh, that one is Monday evening, and then you've Connacht Ulster this evening at uh, seven thirty-five. Just give me two words for call the two games. Um, yeah, I think Connacht and Leinster are probably are probably favourites for both games, and will probably get a result. So it's hard to kind of move away from that. But I think if Munster get opportunities, and you, you expect a reaction from Ulster going to Connacht, I think they the disappointment of the last few weeks. And they're very capable. They 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 walloped um, Connacht in that first game in round one, thirty six ten. I think was the score. Mm. Um, so, you know, obviously there's there's a bit of bite and rivalry. And look, it's, it depends what team Leinster pick. But I, I'm giving Munster a chance for sure in this one. We to um, bounce around a fair bit here because I want to get to your top three rugby moments of the year but one thing I just want to ask you quickly about Quinny if I can we need to mention it the Benetton story this week finally suspending at last in the last 24 hours the player who gave Guinea-born Italy international Sheriff Traore a banana in a secret Santa thing and the fact that it's taken so long for the club to act um, is sort of where we're at at the minute that's the main the main talking point out of it they have finally suspended uh, the player but it took them an awful long time to get there it did, and uh, it's shocking, really, what happened. I just couldn't. Um, obviously, I played for Munster for a long, long time, and and uh, a lot of familiar faces and very close friends and people uh, in, in the dressing room I was in with Munster. There was a lot of slagging, um, a lot of fun, uh, different outfits and costumes bought for people at, at Christmas when we would go on a Christmas party or for a Christmas outing. Um, I could never envisage, or I would would could never believe that um, somebody would would do this in the modern modern age. It's shocking, really, what happened. And uh, fair play to Traore for coming out. Um, he risked. Uh, he obviously, and we don't know what the fallout is. Risks, um, you know, putting himself in a really awkward position here. And will he continue playing with Benetton? Would he stay there? The player is suspended now. What's the whole reaction? But we know Italy has. A bit of a checkered past and and present, I suppose, with, with uh, regarding racism, we see a lot of problems there in the in 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 soccer. Um, but this is shocking in rugby, really. I, I was really really surprised, as everyone was, that you would actually consider doing something like that or playing a practical joke uh, on somebody thinking it's funny. Uh, shocking, really, and. He deserves huge credit, and he deserves support. He deserves to be supported around this now, and. Uh, not scapegoated by internally by by teammates and why did he do this and he shouldn't have went public. Um, it's it's he they crossed the line there and and he deserves massive credit and support for coming out and speaking about it. Yeah, we'll watch it as as developments unfold. There's no doubt they will. Um, right, let's get into your top three moments of the year, rugby, uh, uh, Quinny in, in the rugby, and um, it's a bit of a. Uh, incredible like uh, reflection on the year to be honest and most of it is involving Ireland but let's start off with the one that's not and uh, the Six Nations and there was one moment particularly that stood out for you yeah um, <clears throat> obviously my my Welsh friends won't be too happy to 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 be bringing this up if there's any of them listening or any Welsh people I'm sure it's uh, it was an incredibly disappointing situation for them and a disappointing Six Nations um, but Italy beating um, Wales in that last game of the Six Nations um, 
was just phenomenal, really. It was uh, Eduardo Padovani scoring mm-hmm. that try in injury time. Uh, Capuzzo, the, the full back in the day, he's playing with Toulouse now. He kind of introduced himself to the world with that counter-attack and that break and the pass inside for Padovani. And, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's difficult for Welsh people and it was an incredibly disappointing day. But if you're a rugby neutral or a sport, sporting neutral, just to see the scenes at the end of that game, um, I think it was a high and it was great to see. Um, obviously, if it was Ireland, I wouldn't be saying it's great to see. But um, Kieran Crowley, you know, 36 games lost, consecutive games lost in the Six Nations and then they produced that performance. Um, I think it was it was an incredible finish to a game and... and it was a high. It was a rugby high throughout the year. Again, if you're Welsh, it's not a rugby high, obviously. But I just think the scenes and the emotion at the end, it was a lovely moment in sport. You've gone for the Irish uh, second and third tests in New Zealand as well, perhaps unsurprisingly. Quinny, definitely some uh, really in the year's moments there. Yeah, I just think, <clears throat> I even still think back now and I just think the the feeling and the mood and, um, you know, there wasn't many people around there. Uh, they were coming out of covid um, still lots of restrictions there and face masks and all that kind of stuff. Um, in New Zealand, I, I headed off to Los Angeles and, you know, landed there on the Thursday and thought, you know, the intrigue. I always loved going to New Zealand as a player and and just the passion and uh, they have for the rugby there. Every corner you go around, if you, if you drive out of any of the cities, somebody's kicking a rugby ball. There's little games going on everywhere. It's just, it's an incredible country and it's, a lot of similarities to Ireland with the, you know, the farming background and the countryside and all that. It's, uh, and I just thought, I grew up watching the All Blacks and the aura they have. And I think obviously we've broken that. Started in 2016, getting that win in Chicago and and a couple of more wins after that. But I thought, you know, it was obviously a daunting task. But I loved, I just loved the response in the second te- and third tests and the bravery of the Irish side and, and the way they played. Um, they didn't try and contain contain New Zealand. They just went out and backed themselves and played. And uh, the scenes at the end, again, in the third test in Wellington, which it would have been very, very easy to kind of pat yourself on the back and say, well, we've won the second test now. Um, that's brilliant. We've done something that no Irish team has ever done. Um you know, normal normal events will take place now that New Zealand, we put up a good fight in the third test and, and they'll win it and we get massive credit, can have brilliant holidays at home. But the drive to try and get that series win in the third test was, was sensational. The performance in the first half, the tries that Ireland scored, and then the fight that they showed in that second half to to hang on when, when, when New Zealand responded and came back at them. Um, and I just thought there was, I'm not sure how many people, Quinny's been muted, I think. The players he? come out no. down at the bottom end of the field. Yeah, sorry, I was just dipping in and out there. Um, his last moment, Quinny, sorry, we've lost. There, I don't know if you can hear us. I think his headphones might have uh, run out of juice by the sounds of things if he can't hear us. So Hopefully can, Santa uh, brings him a new set for him. We'll, uh, we'll get him in 2023. And exactly, uh, happy Christmas and New Year to Alan Quinlan. His other moment was the Josh... It, it was the... For me, it was... 
there was such a pack of players there over the last couple of years mm-hmm. between the likes of Conan, Omani, going back to CJ Stander, going back to Dan Levy. There was a there was a cohort of back row players there. Uh, um, Caelan Doris. There's more. The list is mm. close to endless. And then um, Josh van der Flair was the one that stood out. So um, yeah. you know, head and shoulders and, and world player of the year. So um, Josh van der Flair, Quinny, I think you might be back with us. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, Adrian. But um, yeah, just finishing off in New Zealand to see the crowds at the yeah. end and the Irish people. I think after everything with COVID, I just it's something I, um, they'll never forget. But being there and being part of it and doing the commentary on it was phenomenal. Yeah, Josh van der Flair is is the other one. Just his performances. I think he's such a humble fella. Um, I remember meeting him after the first test and he on Sunday morning and in Auckland and he was heading off to mass on Sunday morning. Um, and I just thought, I just any time I've ever met the guy, he's incredibly humble, and the way he's improved his game, and and for him fitting at the end of the year to win World Player of the Year, it's a phenomenal, a phenomenal uh, achievement for him as a player. Yeah, he's really stood out from the pack. Thanks, William, for everything over the year, Quinny. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you every Friday morning, and enjoy the rugby over the break. Talk to you next year. Che- cheers, lads. Happy Christmas to you. you Happy same to you, Quinny. Thanks, William. That's us. Yeah, almost. It's hard to believe. Yeah, last well, not, not the last show of twenty twenty. You're going to have a meal with the lads tonight. Is that what you were saying? Got a meal in uh, up in the Squealing Pig in Monaghan uh, this evening. Oh so. yeah, you've been on about the Squealing Pig before. Yeah, it's just one of the pubs in it. It's a good location in the centre of town there. Um, so we go for a meal, a few drinks. Um, a few yeah, cold beers, a few cold beers. I don't know. Ah, uh, a few tattoos, dinner and drinks. <laughs> D- definitely dinner somewhere anyway. Tattoos, a few tattoos. Uh, I'm a tattoo kind of guy. <laughs> good man. Well, listen, the last few months have been an absolute pleasure, Shane. Absolutely fair play. You're playing a blinder. Sure, another, listen, but another big, uh, big few months ahead next year. A lot of fun. We go again in the new year. We go again and um, enjoy the few days off. Thanks to everybody, uh, Ken and Jojo in the box. Cameron produced today. I have to say, Shane, I don't know how you felt, but definitely Level felt above. as if we'd, uh, we'd, we'd just a try. I don't know. Not sure what it was. It just felt like we had a strong hand on the tellers this morning. Yeah, Colm's too distracted by the domestic game over in the UK being returned. The domestic game, as he calls it. Yeah. Um, do you know, I think he was, he was the Carabao Cup. He, it was just on his head because it's domestic He's, for him. Colm's more of a Carabao Cup kind of guy. Kind of guy. Uh, I like a little bit of FA Cup, uh, as you guys uh, League Cup, as you guys like to call it. I don't know. Thanks, William, to Colm as well. Cheers, of Colm. course, tip of the cap. And to Emma as well, who's uh, who's off today with big live events upcoming uh, for all her work across the year as well. Uh, to Kathleen, I'm going to leave somebody off here. I'm done now that I started. Uh, who else have I got to mention? Have I have I have I gone through the list? Paul as well. Um, Kian as well. Kian looks after TikToks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so look at uh, We've left people off, and that's the it's the nightmare starting one of these lists. Uh, <laughs> thanks to you for watching uh, over the course of the year. We've really enjoyed your company, and uh, we'll see you again. So- OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.